The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or other use of this broadcast or podcast without the express written consent of Spaced Out Radio or Spaced Out Radio Limited is strictly prohibited. Listener discretion is advised. the mountains of British Columbia to you listening around the world. This is Spaced Out Radio with host Dave Scott. They let us play with all our toys. They let us think that we're big boys. They let us make a lot of noise but we're in the world. They let us think we're Superman. You can follow us on our website, spacedoutradio.com on iTunes and tune in. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio on Facebook at Spaced Out Radio Show, or on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. Are you playing with Bigfoot and aliens again? Uh, Dad, you gotta stop haunting the goat. It's scaring them. All right, seriously, put down the pointy sticks. Word is. Alright, alright, alright. Buckle up, space travelers. It's time to go for a ride on Spaced Out Radio. Mr. Bumblefoot, Dave is ready for liftoff. Seriously, Dave? Really? Aren't you a little old for a tinfoil hat? I am. Toby. Bye-bye. 
Good evening and welcome to Space Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott, and it's good to have you along for the ride on this Monday, April 17th, Tuesday, April 18th. If you're on the East Coast, hope you had a great day. We are live right here in Uncle Jimbo's cabin, right here in the Great White North, kicking off a brand new week as we are live seven days a week. Let's welcome in everyone listening in on our terrestrial radio stations, WQEE 99, Rock the Key, down in Noonan, Georgia, home of the Walking Dead. We're also live on the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. We're also live on SpacedOutRadio.com, on Spreaker, on the Renegade Talk Radio Network out of Las Vegas, the High Plains Talk Radio Network, and on Revolution Radio. We're going to be picking up KTLK, the Fringe FM, as of tonight as well. Thank you for allowing us to join your team, Fringe. You know who I'm talking about. Dave, Joe, appreciate you guys taking the time. Remember, the Double R Machine, if you're listening in on Revolution Radio, is a donation station financed by you, the value listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Hey, if you like our intro music, that comes from Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal, formerly of Guns N' Roses, currently of Art of Anarchy. Bumblefoot is the official sound of SOR. Hey, you can also check us out on social media, on Twitter, at Space Radio. Give our Facebook page a like, Space Out Radio Show. You can tune us in on TuneIn. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Space Out Radio Show. Download our shows from iTunes. We're also on RadioGuide.fm, TalkStream Live, and Stitcher. Our website is SpacedOutRadio.com. And if you head over to Patreon.com, for as low as $1 a month, you can become a patron of Spaced Out Radios as well. If you want to take part in this show, I suggest you... Log into one of the chat rooms on our website by clicking Listen Live. You can go on Revolution Radio, on Spreaker, on the UPRN chat room, or if you're a valued member of the Facebook group, the SOR Space Travelers Club, good to have you all here as well. Vivian, Gail, Gloria, Paula, I know you're there. Hope you're having a good night. Or if you're on Twitter, just use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio. I will get to your questions and comments in there as well. If you head to our website for five bucks a month, what you can do is join the SOR Space Travelers Club while perusing our website because we have a plethora of features on there for you. Check out the Encounter Online that deals with everything paranormal and what's going on today, courtesy of our editors, Eric Markham and Everett Themer. You can also check out my latest blog there as well. If you've had an experience you cannot explain, Fill out an SOR sight lines report. Researcher Mike Schmidt is ready to find out what's going on with you. Tonight, we bring in the reporters. This is a new monthly feature we started last month. And we bring in some fellow radio show hosts and paranormal writers. Vanessa Hogel, Mike Ricksecker join us as well as Everett Themer and Christina George. It's a talented group of individuals who are looking and striving to make the paranormal stronger on each aspect with both experience and research. So here's what we do on this show. We take some topics du jour, we go through them, debate them, and see what reaction from the audiences are as well. The topics will be all over the place, but that's okay. Because your questions and comments are welcomed as well. We bring in the reporters now. Much appreciate you all taking the time. How are you? 
dandy. Doing pretty well. Good. <laughs> Excellent. Hi, guys. Excellent. Now, I love this group because when I look at it, we have people who've been researching for 20-plus years. We have people who are literally having their own radio shows. Christina just got off the air with hers on UPRN, and now she's doubling up with us here, so we appreciate that. And Everett is our editor for The Encounter Online. want to say thank you to all of you for coming on in. And with this discussion that we're going to have tonight, you know, there are some real interesting topics that have been happening lately. And one of the ones that we have been hitting up on this show lately is a lot about skepticism. Should we all be skeptical? And here's my thoughts on it. And I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts as well. And whoever wants to jump in, just jump in at every time. To me, I think the word skeptic is used way too loosely. And what I mean by that is we have a lot of people out there who say, well, we take the skeptical approach. You know, we want to test out everything. And we want to make sure that we're conducting everything on a scientific level and I'm fine with that. I really am fine with that. But to me, there is a big difference between being skeptical and having just your five senses, that if it doesn't fall into the realm of five senses, that we need to dismiss absolutely everything that doesn't fall into those categories. And this really bothers me because the experiences, as you all know on the panel and our audience, the experiences are what matter. And they almost seem to be forgotten because everybody wants to be skeptical. Now, when I think of the word skepticism, I think of somebody who tries to put a real reality on a situation before they come to the conclusion of the unknown. And I've tried to do that. I try to remain level-headed because I think that's what it's a big part of. But Everett, we'll start with you on this one. You know, I, I'm curious if, if you really, really do believe that we're taking the skepticism a little bit too far when it comes to the paranormal realm. Well, there's a fine line between, or a big line, between skepticism and denial. I mean, you know that I came from the quote-unquote skeptical community, and I left because pretty much everybody in that community was looking at these, these events, these situations, and they were fitting the evidence to what they had already decided it was going to be. And it, it wasn't skepticism. They weren't open to changing their mind. They had already made up their mind that whatever it was didn't happen the way the experiencer experienced it or saw it. It had happened however they could fit it into their box. And it, it wasn't skepticism. It was flat-out denial. And it's become a business. There are some people who are making a lot of money going around speaking as deniers under that skepticism flag. I would agree with Mike, but then on another side, I, I mean, I just talked about this on my show tonight. I mean, even being a psychic medium in the paranormal field, I'm still a big skeptic because a majority of the stuff that people experience can be explained. What it is is we're looking for the evidence that cannot be explained. 
and what we can validate, what we can get evidence of. And so uh, also with so many people, so many investigators now using the television shows for their training, trying to take on clients, which they don't understand. I mean, I've had people who watch these shows contact me, be absolutely petrified, believing that they had demons in their house because things were falling off the shelves or disappearing. Or I even had a client that said, oh my gosh, the demon tried to kill me tonight. It sat on the bed next to me and tried to take all of my air out of me. I rushed three hours away from my house in the middle of the early morning to go and help this person in need and come to find out when I get there, there's a human spirit, which is her mother who had just passed. And she actually was trying to interact with her mom. Her mom was trying to give her signs that she was there, but she misinterpreted them and immediately thought that she was a demon. So, I mean, there's all kinds of different scenarios, and we don't want to create, you know, a panic in people when there are explanations for maybe some of the things that they're experiencing. Because not everything's paranormal. You're absolutely correct. Um, the thing is, I think what people are thinking is that you have to be one or the other, that it's black or white, and that, that is solely not the case. Um, to be, I mean, I'm the same as you, Christina. I, I am. I'm right. being in this field doing what I do um, with the mediumship and, and the sensitivity and all, all that hubbub. I see that part of it. However... When I have things sent to me um, via email or DMs or whatever, or somebody is showing me something or wanting my opinion on something, I instantly go to what to my skeptic mode, which doesn't mean that I'm looking for a reason to disbelieve it. Right. It means that I'm looking for for evidence that it's that it's factual. Right. I don't, right. Want, I don't want to automatically say this is crap. You know, but absolutely, yeah. But I'm going to keep that in my head that it's always a possibility. Um, and Dave is absolutely right. There are people out there that are that are getting famous off of ripping other people apart because they think it is black or white. And yeah. it just it's oh yeah, just to just to piggyback on that, Vanessa. I mean, yeah, you're right. There are a lot of people that are trying to make it black and white. In fact, there are actual skeptic conferences where you know they just. They go to these conferences and they're basically ripping apart what it is that we do. And, and they have, there's no wiggle room for them. They're just, you know, right. everything has some sort of explanation. Even if, and I've, I've talked to these people before, I used to work pretty closely with one. And, you know, he would say, you know, I've experienced things that you would call paranormal. And he went to these skeptic conferences. But even though you would call it paranormal, I would just call it something that can't be explained yet. It's like, you might follow the ghost. That um, is paranormal I, by definition. But I know. Yes, <laughs> I know. I mean, hello. But we know we can't. We know that we can't. You would do everything to deny it. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I was just going to say that no matter what, when you get somebody who is a true skeptic and a debunker at that, and that's what all these people think they are. And again, it's just gone. I mean, I think if I have one more person say, oh my gosh, you're a psychic, why don't you go take the psychic uh, or that uh, Randy whatever guys, you know, uh, test. And I'm just like, what the world are you guys? I'm just, I'm, I, I get, get so old because again, I personally, when people call me, I always believe their stories. I always believe them a hundred percent until I can prove that it's otherwise. 
sometimes we are able to prove to the client that it's not something paranormal. And I will tell you here in California, I don't know how it is out there, Dave, uh, in uh, Canada, but out here we are inundated by smart meters. And these smart meters are being placed like right outside people's, you know, sleeping areas. And it is causing a lot of hallucinations and a lot of uh, things like that. And so a lot of the things can be explained. Like people will go and they've seen ghost hunters or something. So they go and they run out and buy an EMF meter. And they're like, oh, my gosh, in our room, it's such high EMF, you know, readings. Not realizing that, you know, your electricity box or your smart meter or even your refrigerator and your microwave can all put off those things. But, again, they're not experienced investigators. So we've got people like that that are actually not just going out and investigating anymore. They're actually taking on clients. So I do think that the skepticism is smart out there, you know. And, again, there is a mass kind of panic because everybody's thinking that everything is demonic because of a lot of the shows out there. So I think that it's good to but Chris, try Christina, to do one, some stuff. One thing you said is people go out there as a skeptic and a debunker. It's not the job of a real skeptic to be a debunker. Uh, the Absolutely. job of a skeptic is to go out there and have an open mind, be willing to change your ideas and your mind based on what you see in the evidence if you're going out there as a skeptic and debunker right away, you're not a skeptic. You have no. an agenda to prove something wrong. But they've created like their own little genre of what they're doing now. It's, I don't know. It's, it's frustrating to see it happen. And again, for people to be making, having fame and making money off of this stuff, because it makes it so much harder to, to do what we're trying to do and to help people that we're trying to help and to bring forward evidence. I mean, I don't believe in paranormal experts because you can be in this field your whole life and still never have all the answers. For anybody who says that they do, I would dare to debate them on that because even after 50 years, I learn new things all the time. <laughs> Well, one thing that it would be unbelievably helpful if people would learn is the actual definition of what paranormal means. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that, that right there would solve a multitude of problems. I mean, they can look it up. The definition is denoting events or, uh, or phenomenon such as telekinesis or clairvoyance that are beyond the scope of normal scientific understanding. So, if somebody has a situation like whatever it was talking about where he is at a conference and he, uh, uh, with a bunch of skeptics and they say, well, I've had experiences that you might call paranormal, but, you know, I just call them unexplainable. That is Same paranormal. Thing. Yeah, that is paranormal. <laughs> it's semantics. You know, <laughs> if we can well, just, just like UFOs, you know, people will say that's not a UFO. Well, if you cannot explain what it is, it is absolutely an unidentified flying object. Yes, if you, if you can't prove to me what it is, that's what it is. Thank you. So, I mean, if people would just read a little bit, just a little, you know, that's too uh, hard. Fine, a little bit, you know, um, if they would just do that, then we wouldn't have a lot of these issues coming about. We, I, I really believe that's true. A little bit of self-education would be key. 
Yeah, but it's a different time now, and, you know, everybody wants instant results, so they'd much rather Google, you know, something, and whatever the first result that pops up, that must be the true answer. I mean, it's it drives me crazy how many people in this field call themselves paranormal investigators, yet they do no investigation whatsoever on anything. They go along with what everybody else says, thinks, or feels, or what their group thinks. They don't want to. They don't want to, you know, go against the grain. Me myself, I'm completely different. <laughs> well, you know what? Let, let's be honest here for a second here, because there is room for skeptics. You know, you have to be skeptical. Like for instance, when I had my close encounter of a third kind, which happened three years ago. What's the date today? Today's the 18th. It happened three years ago on the 15th. And when I had that happen, I was trying to run through every plausible answer in my head that I could think of. And I think that's healthy. I think we need to do that. But there is a huge definition on the difference, Everett, between being skeptical and trying to figure out those answers and absolutely having 100% denial on everything or becoming a debunker, shall we say. Exactly. And I think it's become the responsibility of the paranormal community to begin to call out these people who fly their flag of skepticism while they're really just denying everything or dismissing everything. But how do you do that? It doesn't work. Let's call them out. I mean, there are so many skeptical organizations or skeptic organizations out there that, you know, they have some big names. And I'm not opposed to calling some of them out. I mean, I won't do it right now unless you say it's okay, Dave. But, you know, there are a lot of people out there that are rather famous, that make documentaries or TV specials where they just destroy any kind of paranormal event without really looking at it. They look at it from their point of view that they're going into it immediately and they're going to dismiss it. Being a real skeptic is hard because you have to challenge yourself all the time. You have to be ready and willing to change your ideas and your beliefs. And that doesn't necessarily make a lot of money for people. So in my opinion, it's time to start calling out some of these people who make a lot of money and, and get their 15 minutes of fame. We talk quite a bit about how ghost hunters get their 15 minutes of fame. What about... What about all these quote-unquote skeptics that are out there just ripping everybody apart, getting their fame? Oh, Everett, I did. I did that. Okay, but but let me let me throw this into the ring though. Everett, you you bring in my opinion, you bring up a dream scenario here where we're all investigating the same thing. You know as well as I do because we have talked numerous times. And Mike, I want your opinion on this because I think it's important. All right. But we have talked numerous times off the air, some on the air. This is a group of people, literally thousands in attendance that can't even get their own crap together on how to tie their shoelaces, let alone trying to figure out if we're trying to solve anything or play Pokemon Ghost with with these television shows and with these paranormal tourism type areas. So where does the balance begin, Mike? 
Yeah, that's, you know, really tough because, um, you know, with the, the mainstream media has, you know, gone toward, you know, these shows and entertainment. And, and that's what people aren't understanding, that these shows are entertainment. So they see, you know, in the span of, you know, four it's an hour-long show, but you got commercials. And it's been a from, you know, walking into a location to all these, you know, things happening. And people expect that that is what an investigation really is. So, you know, you have this, you know, complete incorrect uh, perception in the mainstream of what investigating is. So people think that they can just run out, grab a couple of detectors, and, you know, go have their own paranormal investigation. And it, it makes it real easy, actually, for, you know, people that claim that they're skeptics to just hammer away um, at, at, you know, those type of shows and, and the type of investigations, if you want to call them that, that they're doing. So you have these two, you know, polar opposites in play that it always seems to be uh, the polar uh, aspects of these sorts of things that get the most attention. And, you know, we are, you know, what, what the real truth is, is somewhere in the middle. It's, it's a gray area that, that we're dealing with this now now mike both you and vanessa have done paranormal television how does that experience knowing what happens behind the scenes how does it differ from the reality of real paranormal investigation mike you want to take this (laughs) yeah it's you go yeah it's 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 quite (laughs) different um you know because like okay the first show that i was on the haunted um you know, it, it made it out like, you know, we did one investigation and then we did a cleansing of the house. Well, it was more like five or six investigations that, that we performed before, um, you know, we had a cleansing there. Carl Johnson was brought in and all that. Um, you know, they changed up where EVPs were. And, you know, it, it's really, really very um, different than what the reality of the situation was. Now, the, the family story... Um, you know, very heartfelt, and they got most of that correct. They had to cut a lot of things out. Um, but as far as you know, what actually happens during the investigation, it's like, yeah, they just made it out that we went in, got a couple EVPs, and out of a couple EVPs, we're going to cleanse the house. You know, it was kind of strange uh, the way they made it look. So, yeah, and people need to keep in mind that, I don't know, maybe they could put some disclaimer before the show, hey, you know, this investigation happened over, you know, many months or what have you. Um, but, but something needs to be done thing. to actually educate people that this is just a condensed version of what really happened. And you're absolutely right, Mike, because most people don't realize that. You know, I mean, you, uh, when you're on location, you can be there for two, three, four, five days. It really just does depend. But what so many of these viewers don't understand that th- this is acting, you know, what a lot of these people do. This, when they have a, a regular team there where people brought in like Mike or I or somebody like that, we're not acting, you know, but we are being directed. That's the truth. But on these regular shows, they're, they're, they're actors. That is what they are. If you even go and look at some of them, even overseas, it'll say on their bios on Twitter, actor. It truly does. And that that should really be disturbing to people because what they don't realize is if and Christina can can I know you're going to agree with me on this, honey, when you're on an actual investigation and there is something negative happening, if you're sensitive like Christina and I are and you're affected, 
what they're showing you on TV doesn't even come close to what it's like when that happens. Absolutely. The public could not handle what actually happens to us. They couldn't handle seeing that. It's a horrible experience. So just somebody scared and running away, that isn't it. But right, isn't and, it that doesn't, the na- and it stays with you for a while. Go ahead. Uh, yes, it, it does. Isn't, isn't that the nature of the beast, though? Because television, people turn to that essentially for entertainment. Now, you try and do a real documentary on an entire case, and it can be very dry and very boring and not very entertaining, so people aren't going to be interested in that. But television isn't really documentary TV. It's entertainment. Here's the so thing. they well, have to it's all about what sells. That's why everything on television right. now is a demon. They have to keep up in the ante, up in the ante. I mean, back in back in the day, yeah, they they did a little bit more with okay, we're debunking what's going on here, and a little bit more about the background, the location. But yeah, you're right. That to get dry and boring, it ran its course. So television has to keep up in the ante, up in the ante, up in the ante. I don't know what they're going to do now. Now that everything's a demon on television, where are they going to go next? I have no idea. Super demons. But see, that's the thing, though. That's the thing, is for people who are actually in the field because they care about it, those dry, boring documentaries that have actual evidence in them, those are the only ones I want to watch. Right. Right. We don't watch the ghost hunting shows. No, I I, I don't know it's a bunch of (laughs) Because it's crap, yeah. But somebody turning it it on at 11 o'clock at night on a Saturday night, doesn't want to see that. They want to get that safe little fear, scare, oh, something scary is going on kind of feeling. Well, this is what I like, too. This is what I liken it to. I don't know how many of y'all out there were Friends watchers, you know, the show Friends. But if you remember one episode, if you ever watched it, that um, Brooke Shields was in, and it was uh, she was um, playing a part in there about the woman who believed that Joey Tribbiani's character was a real doctor on Days of Our Lives, speaking to her through the magic box in her living room. Honestly, (laughs) with what I see on social media, and I'm going to really tick some people off here, what I see on social media and the way that people flock to these shows knowing they, they are entertainment purposes only. There is no paranormal education coming from these shows. I'm sorry. But the way that they are with these shows, that's what they remind me of. Is these people? Oh, these people are talking to me through my TV, and this is exactly how it is. And they have absolutely no understanding, no idea of what actual paranormal investigators go through on an investigation. They are absolutely clueless. Well, I will tell you. I will tell you that, I mean, investigating the last 15 years with in the public eye and with all kinds of different teams and things like that, I have found more teams. Like, originally when I started out here in Northern California, there were three teams that covered all of Northern California. And now oh, there's over 300 know. just in Sacramento alone. Oh my and the thing gosh. is, is about 90% of them have learned how to paranormal investigate off of watching these television shows. 
and they don't know the difference. Well, yeah. They don't realize yeah. that it's scripted. It's just like reality TV. People watch all these reality shows and they think that that's the real deal. And no, it's scripted. They want to cut and paste and edit and everything and have you do things over and over so it gets the best view. I mean, it's it's crazy that most people don't realize that. They hear reality TV or investigating and they think this is what you do. And I've had more people that have turned you know, paranormal enthusiast to paranormal investigator to one of my clients. More than well, I, yeah, more than I even want to say. People yeah. see what's done on TV. They, they see people walking around with, you know, EMF detectors and, and all of that and audio recording. Well, I could do that. I could walk around in a, lo- in a location with those things and, you know, ask questions and get a television show. That's, that's what they're going I, for. Absolutely. <laughs> But that's even fine if they want to learn and they want to just go to locations and they just want to do this. But the problem is, is that's getting boring. Walking around cemeteries and old buildings, everybody's investigated. People are, you know, going to conferences. They see the same people. They hear the same lectures, the same BS. You know, it's just like, okay. So now they've decided they're going to go look out for their own clients. And they don't even know how to investigate, much less take on a client. Exactly. Okay, well then doesn't that bring it full circle again? We've talked about skeptics and deniers. Now we're talking about people who are paranormal enthusiasts. Shouldn't they take on the responsibility of learning? I mean, th- they see this, they think it's neat and interesting and they want to try it. Maybe we need to hold people like that to a standard where they need to go back and really study paranormal history from you know, the early 1900s forward and get an idea of what really goes on and all of the different aspects of it before they decide that they're going to be just a ghost hunter. That's too much work. I mean, people were paying, I think, anywhere from $39.99 to $199.99 to go for freaking paranormal you know, um, educational programs online, and they were just printing up these fake you know, certificates for people that have paid all this money. And they came out knowing less than they know if they would have just went to one of my, you know, lectures for free. I mean, it's ridiculous. And so there really is no education in this field. I mean, it really is up to people like us who are out there lecturing, out there uh, using our radio shows to educate the people out there, maybe the people looking to get into this field. Because, again, this television has does no justice to the things that we're able to do and also the dangers that we can face out there. So, well, yeah. and, and it's yeah, funny. one of the, uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike, please. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, one of the conversations that I've had recently that I, that I was asked about was about, uh, you know, standards in the paranormal, you know, when it comes to education and uh, how to run investigations and, and what have you. And it's, it's a real challenge because of the fact that there are so many different theories within the paranormal. Because, you know, right. like Christina was saying earlier, there are no experts in the paranormal because everything that we're doing is based on theories. So it, it makes it real hard to come up with some sort of, you know, education system or some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of standard because everything that we're dealing with uh, is based on theory. And, and so it, it makes it very, very difficult to do that. But one of the biggest problems is you when you have these people that are out there like that, that are wanting to do these things because they've seen them on TV. I, underst- I understand. I understand the excitement. But 
the excitement behind it. I understand the want to, to be a part of that and to be able to talk about something cool. I get that. But what I don't understand and what I, I, I mean, it's out there enough on social media. People should be smart enough now to realize this is that it is a huge, huge personal responsibility when you're doing this for a client. You are taking Absolutely. somebody else's well-being into your hands and promising them it's going to be okay. So hopping in for a few hours one night, disrupting a family, whatever activity they have going on, getting your so-called evidence and kissing them goodbye and never talking to them again, that doesn't cut it in my book. When, when you go through what we go through, and when we go into any investigation, and I know every one of y'all who does this feels the same way, you're going in there not just for the client, but you're, you're sacrificing yourself. You're putting yourself Absolutely. online, your own sanity, your own physical well-being. I'm speaking personally from this. I, I, I've, I've, been, I've had the tar beat out of me at a location. I mean, bad. And in front of plenty of witnesses, you know, and I, I, I'm still in contact with the family. I'm still in contact with their children. But you know, you know what though? I, I do want to say this because for our local museum here in town, I run the paranormal tours once a month. And I personally tell everybody, I said, if you, whatever you have seen on a ghost television show, Throw it out the window. Throw it in the garbage. There you go. And and a lot of people don't understand that it takes that three to four days to actually come up with forty seven minutes of of programming time if you include commercials. But Uh but everybody wants to have that experience. Like when they walk into a house, if it's a first time, because we do this on tours and we do it to help raise money for the museum. It's it's nonprofit. We do it once a month. Believe it or not, I actually went into all the buildings a few weeks before it started and I went into every building that we investigate and I, I went and talked to the spirits and let them know what was going on. So that way, you know, I'm trying to show some respect to them. Okay. The one, the one building, the lady in there absolutely hates me. I don't know why, but she just does. But jealous of your good hair. Well, probably, probably. But the whole, the whole point that I'm that I'm trying to say here is, is we have to educate people in regards to what it really is like. And when I got people on the tour, the first thing I say is, we may get a bunch of information. Or we may not get anything. That's the reality of it. So please don't be disappointed if you don't have an experience. Because we cannot predict when that experience is going to happen. Now, that being said, the money we raise all goes towards the nonprofit Museum Society. And that's what we're trying to raise money for. To help alleviate some of their bills that they have. And so far, it's working phenomenally. But... The whole point is, is it our job then to try and take these newbies who have an interest or maybe have been in a haunted house or have a belief because they've seen a ghost, is it our job then as, say, paranormal tourism places to educate those people as to what is going on rather than just the history of the location? Yes, actually it is. 
if, if you're going to um, if you're going to bring people in and you're going to to educate them on one it only makes sense to educate them on the other you're accepting that responsibility unto yourself and okay. I, yes. Yeah, I, I think agree. they're both important. Yeah, and if you were yeah. doing just a historical tour, that would be one thing. You know, you might not put your two cents in about the paranormal, but you're doing an actually ghost walk tour. So, I mean, absolutely that should be tied into it. That's where the education comes from. Those are the, it's, And that's the perfect people that you want to, you know, direct is people who are craving that information. Yeah, they and have you know, an interest in it, so I, I completely agree. They have an interest in it, so you do need to educate them about, okay, what it is that, you know, what goes on there, not just from a historical aspect, but from a paranormal aspect, and what the real truth of that interaction and that activity is. In some ways, oh, yeah. that might be a good introduction, too, Dave. Let people see that, you know, ghost hunting is not five hours of running around in the dark, constantly excited and scared and collecting things, that there are times where absolutely nothing happens. And sometimes mm -hmm. those times are long, and sometimes they're very tedious. But there are a lot of them. And it's important for investigators, especially ones that are new and that are interested in the field, to realize that and kind of break that ghost hunters, ghost adventures, everything happens immediately kind of mentality. Plus, show them the, hum the, the, the humane side of it. You know, show, show them that is your responsibility if you're going to take that on, to show them and, and teach them because one day it will be them. It'll be them on that other side wanting somebody to communicate with. You have to teach them how to do that so that they're not doing that, you know, throw something at me, punch me, come on, you demon, you know, or, or whatever. You know, it, you you have to steer them away from that because yes. that's all they're knowing. I understand that, but you also got to realize, too, we are also reminding the people that they are in a haunted location. And we're not trying to be like a lot of these ghost hunting crews who go out to these haunted locations to prove that they're haunted. I know, but they look to you for guidance. No, because they already know it's haunted. They leave it there. Exactly. Exactly. Sorry, I give it. Yeah. I will and tell you, though, Dave, the more that you are doing this tour, the more you are going to come familiar and be come familiar to the spirits of that area. So it will help a lot with your interaction because they'll trust you. But, again, it's really how you play this out. And since everybody knows that it's got a haunted history and you're talking about that haunted history, I think... Again, I think that it's only right for you to kind of throw some of your paranormal knowledge in there as well because you already know that people have, they're kind of interested in this thing. So if they're going to come out and they're going to find out about stuff, at least send them away with something that if they decide to go and do this on their own, you know, they've got a little bit of knowledge from somebody who's actually trying to teach them something. Well, and that's, and that's what we try and do on the tours we try and teach them something along with the history we know the spirits who are there and like i said there's one building where i don't even like going in there you know it's it's two floors i could go in the bottom part the bottom floor i'm okay with it's that when you go up the stairs to the top floor i don't like it there and i tell people that like this is reality like i'm somebody who has done this tour a number of times now 
and I don't like going in there. So just be careful. And and well, I think for me, if you if you're feeling that way, do not go against your better judgment and go in there anyway just to satisfy other people because that's exactly what got me into problems this last weekend was doing exactly that. I get that. I can understand that, and I can. When you go in there, are, are, do the people that you're taking around, do they have, are they bringing in EVP recorders or anything like that? Yes. Is, they are. We encourage, okay. when we are doing the tour, we encourage, because most people will only have their cell phone with them. So we make sure that every phone is on vibrate. But we encourage them to take photos, and we encourage them to use their recording device on their phone in case they did catch any EVPs. So, for instance, one of the scenarios that we had happen last time was a lady named Jenny. And when we were in the main house of the tour, because there's there's a 100-plus-year-old house there, and we went in the house... And we were in the men's lounge, which had a bunch of, you know, dead animals all around that were, that were you know, the heads on the walls and the bear rug. And I put a K2 meter on top of the, bear, the bear's head. Well, there's a little girl in the house that loves to play. We believe her name is Emily, and we believe she's somewhere between six and seven years old. Well, my K2 meter for the previous two tours had not really gone off in that room. And when Jenny started talking with the little girl, because she felt like she needed to kneel down to get at the girl's level, my K2 meter went from green all the way to red. And it was peaking between orange and red the whole time. So for anybody who doesn't know what a K2 meter is, it's just like a handheld device that's supposed to read uh, electromagnetic frequency. And there is none in this room. There's no wiring in it, nothing. And so it's supposed to pick up the spirit. And if the spirit gets closer, the more lights go on. Well, Jenny decides to give, ask the little girl for a hug. And so she opens up her arms. She feels her right forearm being touched. And then her face goes ice cold almost like the little girl is hugging her. We then took the tour upstairs. I gave Jenny my EMF detector, and she goes upstairs, and as she's holding it, this meter is still going off, like this little girl is holding her hand as well. And I know that's truthful because I did the exact same thing a couple weeks previous with my wife, and the little girl did the same thing with my wife. So this was confirmation for me. But when Jenny got home... Two days later, she went to change, and on her torso, she found scratches on her body. Okay. But she didn't feel them when they happened? No, she did not. Okay. And uh, was there pain involved when she found them? No, nothing. She was quite sure. In the upstairs of that, this is the house that you don't like the feeling of in, correct? No, this this is a different... Different oh, a different. When you go up the stairs into this house, um, if you go, uh, when you go up the stairs and turn right and go down um, a hallway, not left but right. So if, if if I'm using my right hand, is it on the right side of that hallway where there is uh, the majority of the activity? 
There is a man in one of the rooms on the right side that is not very pleasant. Uh, I, I don't think he likes people being in there. No, was it an office? Because it has a, um, it has, a, it's weird. It's almost like there's lots of paper, um, like a, a desk and lots of paper around there is what I'm seeing, and lots of cigar smoke. It's kind of weird. There is a desk with paper, yes. Okay, and lot and there's lots of cigar smoke. This guy has long, he has long nails, but they're really, really, really paper thin. So, um. um Hers weren't like nail scratches. They were almost something that came st- like a, like if you were to take the very edge of something extremely sharp, very thin scratches. Did she send you a picture? Yes. Yes, I have okay. a picture. And they were um, on the upper part of her chest to the right side? I didn't get what part of her body. She just said her torso on her um, side. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll talk later. Sorry. <laughs> not, not, not a problem. Not a problem. Yeah. Hey, hey, Dave, if this happened or if she noticed this, you said a couple of days later when she went to change? Yes. Why Why do you think there's a connection to this, the, the ghost hunter, this event? Um, is it possible? It, it it's some- an assumption. It's an assumption because she really didn't do anything on the Sunday, and it was Monday morning when she noticed them. Fair to be enough. honest, I could see I could see where that could happen because when I had my situation, um, I felt that I was pushed. I knew that I was pushed. I did not realize that I had two big red handprints on my chest until I got back to the hotel and went to go get into the bathtub and looked in the mirror and saw it. Um, I also had a scratch across my back, which I never felt and didn't feel until I got into the salt water, and then it was very apparent. (laughs) Um, So uh, I can see where if she didn't, per se, get into, like if I wouldn't have got into a salt bath, I never would have known about the scratches on my back. I would have only known about the handprints because that's what I looked at. But it wasn't until I got in and I went down into the salt water that it was burning the hell out of me. So I had to get up and see what in the world it was, why it was burning me. You could definitely see him. Um, and you but if somebody thought. didn't do that, <laughs> yeah, nobody, yeah, if somebody wouldn't have, it maybe took a salt bath or, you know, or maybe took a shower right away where it might have hurt immediately. That's something, it's not, it's not like you come home and you check your back from, you know, a ghost tour. <laughs> You know, so unless you felt it, you wouldn't really know. So I, I definitely could see where a person could not really pay attention and then it come to the to them a couple of days later. And again, then they're going to think back, well, what did I do and how could I have possibly got this? And again, they're going to try to think back and rationalize it. And if, they, if the only thing that they can think of is the last thing that they did, where they were out and about was at the ghost walk tour, then they may say, well, maybe that's where it came from. So who I'm, knows? I'm reading a few comments here from people in the chat rooms, and I do want to say this, if in case you didn't hear me say it right off the bat, okay, I am treating these spirits that are there with the utmost respect. If If we get the feeling that they don't want us there, we're leaving. It's just that simple. You know, it is about respect for the spirits. It isn't about some big tourism ride. And 
before I actually started the tours, I went in and I had a conversation in each of the three buildings that we were investigating to let them Love know. That to let them know what was going to go on and that we mean no harm. There's not going to be any uh, people doing that. And you know what? We, we do try and regulate the questions. And one of those things that we do do is we say, you know, we don't want stupid television questions. Do you know they're dead or, or, or you're dead or something along those lines? We don't want to do that. Yeah, you better not be asking that. Yeah. Well, I I want to I want to jump in right there though because I answered that that comment in from Shane as well. Um, being a psychic medium and interacting with a lot of spirits, I will tell you that I have encountered, especially in the last five years, a lot of spirits that absolutely do not know that they are dead. Have no idea. It does happen. It does happen. So I don't really think that that's a stupid question. I have encountered it, and in fact, I've had to try to talk people who have t- committed suicide and haven't crossed over, or who died instantly and don't even realize that they were dead, or tragically. I- I- I've encountered so many that once they realize, once they realize why their loved ones couldn't interact with them, once they realize these different things and what had happened to them, they came to peace and they were able to cross over. So I... I- I hate to be the the person to stand out and say that I disagree with that comment, but I absolutely do. Just from my well, well you know what was really cool, and and I do have to say this because we only got about two and a half minutes before we go to break here. One of the most beautiful things I've seen was four ladies who were on. You know, we're in the process of putting together a paranormal team here, uh, slowly but surely, and I'm going to give credit to Carrie, Lana. Wendy and Pam, because we know the young girl, we know where her bedroom is in the museum. And so what they did was they brought a motion sensor baby doll that they bought at Walmart, has no recording gear on it, but they put their EVP detector, or pardon me, their digital voice recorder right by it, and this doll went off. And what they did for the little girl was they sat there for about 20, 30 minutes just reading her nursery rhymes. And and then at the end, when they said, we're going to go, are you ready for bed? And right in the EVP, clear as day, it's like the little girl was standing right next to the microphone. You heard, no. (laughs) Like she wanted more stories. And she actually set off the doll in front of them. And... It was great. And then it was shortly after that, about a minute or two after that, that we heard the cat meowing. And there hasn't been a cat in those buildings for years. Years. Wow. So that was kind of fun. Not going to lie. You know, something that was just brought up that it's always in the back of my head trying to figure out is not knowing you're dead. If, if you're living your life as if you're still alive, but you're really dead, what goes on? I mean, I know I make a bunch of coffee every day. How do I get that coffee? How do I make that coffee? And this is kind of going to go off on a weird little tangent here, but it makes me wonder about multiple dimensions. Because I can't, I can't rationalize. I don't know I'm dead, but yet every day the coffee pot makes coffee. 
I, I just can't rationalize all of that. Well, for, for me, usually what I find is they live that last day. It's almost like Groundhog Day from what I understand. Uh-huh. It's that last day that they spend. It's not like their lifetime. It's usually, you know, what they remember. So they'll go back to their house and they'll start that day over and it ends. You know, and so, you know, when people say heaven and And on that note, we're going to hop out for a quick break here on Spaced Out Radio. We're hanging out with the reporters, Vanessa, Christina, Everett, and Mike. Hour number two coming up right after this on the Mighty SOR. From coast to coast to coast, Blacklight Uncharted is taking on the paranormal across Canada. From ghostly hauntings to the UFOs flying above in conjunction with MUFON Canada, they're closely investigating what's going on in the northern skies and checking out the apparitions that walk among us. Check out our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com. We want to know your thoughts, we want to hear your experiences, and we want you to share your stories. The answers are out there, and we intend to find them. Would you like to become one of our space travelers? All you have to do is click on the space travelers icon at spacedoutradio.com. For only $5 a month, you can get access to some great prizes, as well as private monthly shows, newsletters, and a members-only section on our website. Become a space traveler today. The third Monday of every month, Spaced Out Radio is going to bring you a different look at everything paranormal. Welcome to the reporters. Jim Mallard, Vanessa Hogle, Denise Garcia, and Christina George join me, Dave Scott, for a look at the weird and strange from the other side of the microphone. We'll break down ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, and the people investigating them. The paranormal media has never been heard like this. Come listen to the reporters. It's paranormal news at its finest. Welcome to The Encounter. At spaceoutradio.com, The Encounter Online is SOR's trusted news source for everything weird and strange going on around the world. This is news editor Eric Markham. Our team of journalists are scouring the planet for those strange stories that rarely make the mainstream. No fear-mongering or fake news here. Head over to spaceoutradio.com and encounter The Encounter. Hey, this is Canadian Paranormal Investigator Mike Moore. The third Wednesday of every month, I'll be teaming up with Dave Scott to bring you Ghosts of the Great White North. Each month, we will bring on guests from across Canada to discuss their ghostly encounters. Canada is a paranormal hotbed with stories you've never heard, so we're going to bring them to you. So get comfy in your Chesterfield, grab a donut, and join us, eh? Have you had an experience you can't explain? Had a run-in with ghosts, maybe Bigfoot, or seen lights in the sky? Hi, I'm Mike Schmidt from the SOR Sight Lines. I'm here to investigate your sighting. Head to spacedoutradio.com and fill out a report on the sight lines. All your information is 100% confidential, and I will help you figure out what you've been seeing. File your report, and let's find out the answers together. Visit purpleplates.com today. For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. With their money-back guarantee and the many benefits, how can you afford not to get one? 
check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com for mind, body, and spirit and expect a miracle. Are you interested in advertising on Spaced Out Radio? Head to our website at spacedoutradio.com and click on our advertising tab. There, you will find an assortment of ways you can get your product out there with us, from radio commercials to banners and social media. Have a product you like our hosts to endorse? We can do that too. Visit spacedoutradio.com for more details. Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend, I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com. From British Columbia to Northern California, Pacific North Weird has Cascadia covered. Check out our feature videos at spacedoutradio.com, where I... Vincent Zunza and my super sleuth partner Alexandra Sullivan track down the weird and strange stories from around the Pacific Northwest, from Bigfoot to Mel's Hole and everything in between. This is what makes life exciting. So why report the normal when we can report the Pacific North Weird? Right here at spacedoutradio.com. Oh, there's only one way to rock loud and proud. In high definition, Radio 702 Rocks, Las Vegas. Every Saturday and Sunday night, as Dave Scott wanders aimlessly in the wilderness, you can come hang out with me, James Tyson, and Spaced Out Weekend. Starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, I'll take you along as we talk with some of the best experts in their fields. SpacedOutRadio.com is the place to find us. So sit down, relax, put your feet up, enjoy the topics like the paranormal, supernatural, intuitiveness, and so much more. Hope to see you there. Don't have time to listen to Spaced Out Radio Live? Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today. Views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. And hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Now, back to Dave Scott and S.O.R. Welcome back to hour number two of The Reporters coming on up. But first, tomorrow night on the program, Richard Giordano is going to join us. We're getting into everything UFO. The biggest skeptic in the UFO field, Rich Giordano, is with us. We're going to talk a lot, 
of Flying Saucers, 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern Time at SpaceOutRadio.com. We want to welcome in everyone listening in on our terrestrial stations. WQEE 99 Rock the Key down in Noonan, Georgia. Thank you so much for being with us. We're also live on the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Good to have you with us as well. We're brand new to KTLK, the Fringe FM. As of tonight, good to have you on board. Thank you so much. We're also live in Las Vegas on Renegade Talk Radio. And if you're listening in on Revolution Radio, remember the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Bill Cardwell has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. He's not being easy on me tonight, all because I insulted his Toronto Maple Leafs who won tonight. And let's see. Zawishenzug. Zawishenzug is your password. Make sure you use it wisely, space travelers, because that is your password of the night. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. Give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. You can tune us in on TuneIn, download our shows on iTunes. We're also on TalkStream Live, RadioGuide.fm, and Stitcher. Our website is SpacedOutRadio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you, including reading up on the encounter online, joining the SOR Space Travelers Club for 5 bucks a month, and you can head on over to Patreon.com, for as low as $1 a month, you can become a patron of Spaced Out Radios. Tonight, we have Vanessa Hogel, Mike Ricksecker, Christina George, and Everett Themer, the reporters. This show goes the third Monday of every month. Welcome back, crew. Aloha. Hey, thanks for having us. Hey there. Absolutely. Good to have you with us as well. Now, a little bit of change around Spaced Out Radio tonight. I do want to mention this right off the bat. As of yesterday, we are a part of KTLK, which is a brand new online network, the Fringe FM. So we want to thank Joe and Dave Cruz for allowing us to take over their nights Monday through Friday. So it's always exciting to see us expanding on the mighty SOR because we are building our audience and we do want to get a little bit bigger and better. And we also have a brand new logo. And I wanted to focus it around Carl. So if you don't know who Carl is around here, on April 20th, and this year it'll be two-year anniversary in just a couple of days, Carl, the alien, actually appeared at my window during a broadcast of this show. I just call him Carl because I don't know what else to call him. So I changed up the SOR logo, and I'm getting quite a few people coming in and saying that they're really liking it. So thank you so much for that as well. Really do appreciate it. I got to tell you, though, I got something, and I wasn't going to mention it on the show, but tonight I'm going to mention it. As you know, we are part of the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans, and Joe Montaldo was a guest on this show on Friday night. He owns the network. He's also big into ufology, especially experiencers. And Joe told me after the show that our show continues to grow on his network. We're at about 125,000, 130,000 people a night on UPRN listening in around 160 countries around the world. He got approached by another network. And I'm not going to say which network it was, but you all can figure it out on your end. And 
literally what happened there was this other network asked him to kick off Spaced Out Radio so they could take our spot. And Joe said, no. We're doing just great. Why would he kick us off? So I'm not going to tell you what network it was, but I'm pretty sure you guys can figure it out because the original host is no longer there anymore. You know, so I took it this way. Obviously, we're starting to make some headwave in this game called Paranormal Radio. And I'm not going to bring this topic up for debate to the panel or anything. I just wanted to mention, just so you all know, because I'm an open book with you guys. You know, every single one of you who shares this show and who who talks about it, whether you're on Twitter, whether you're on in the chat rooms, whether you're on Facebook or Instagram or whatever you may be, you know, I really strongly believe that, you know, it's because of you that we are growing bigger and better every day. And we're just trying to promote really good programming here, and hopefully we do that. It's not going to work every night. We know that, but we're going to give it our best. But I took it as a compliment. You know, I could be insulted by it, but I took it as a compliment because I really, really believe that, you know, we're starting to make people notice. And you, the listeners, have a good, good say on that. So if you want to continue to see us grow big and piss off this other network... We don't need to insult them or anything like that. That's not what it's about. But what it is, is it's about getting out there, sharing the show more. You know, click that share button. Tell people about it. Your word of mouth is what is going to have that done. So let's take that as a compliment. But I did want to share that with you about a very interesting story that happened. So, there. I got it out. I could breathe now. Because I was debating whether or not to do that. But we're going to. And that's what we're going to do. Anyhow, bring back the panel now. I, I'll shut up here for a few minutes. Oh, it's always nice to share the compliments. Yes. <laughs> there, was a, there was some speculation in the, in the chat about who you're talking about. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to keep that quiet, you know, mm-hmm. because... You know, I'm not trying to ruffle feathers or anything like that. You know, I may have ruffled a couple there. You know, and it's not about jealousy or anything like that, but it really makes me feel nice and cozy with what we are trying to do. Yeah. Oh, ruffle away. Uh-huh. We like ruffling. Ruffling's good. No, no, no. I, I will <laughs> not do that because I, I'm just not that guy. I'm just I'm way too I'm I'm way too Canadian for that. Way too Canadian for that. <laughs> you, you know. And and let, let's face it, they're still they're still a little bigger than me so, or and what we're doing here. So, you know, kudos to them for taking notice of what we are doing here and we got a huge bunch of their Twitter crowd at hashtag spaced out radio that has chosen us over them and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. So, yeah. Awesome sauce. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. You know, so let's just continue that chatter. Hey, when it comes to extraterrestrials or cryptids, you have a radio show, Vanessa and Mike, and I'll start off with you guys, and Christina will get to you next on this. What is something that continually comes up on your show that literally 
continues to have you scratching your head and saying, why is this still an issue? Why is this still a topic? Shadow people. Yes. We <laughs> always come back to shadow people. And I don't know if that's because, uh, I mean, I know I've had a number of shadow people experiences. was one of my first experiences. So um, I don't know if it's just um, something that's you know, magnetically attracted to me, but it seems like on our show, we end up uh, talking to a number of people that have had uh, shadow people experiences. I and I believe that they are, you know, interdimensional beings that, you know, they're not necessarily spirits or something that, um, you know, they're between dimensions and we can't quite explain them yet. I, I was actually contacted. I think it was last night. I think it was last night um, on Facebook uh, due to one of my drawings um, for, for the new book that's coming out about my experiences with them and, you know, have I been having quite a few? And I have lately. Uh, They're kind of everywhere. And I have come across some people who are having the same experiences. And so it seems that things seem to be amping up and that there are more experiences with those particular beings happening. So the conversation just continues to go on. Why do shadow people piss you off so much? Oh, they don't piss me off. Um, yeah. <laughs> My first one scared me to death. I was a kid. Um, I've had others that were that just seemed curious. Um, I've had others that seemed like I almost scared out of the room. So they, they've each been a little different. Um, but I wouldn't say any of them that pissed me off. Yeah, I mean, they normally don't piss me off either, but I really do wish they would stay out of my bathroom. That would be nice. <laughs> you know, that would be nice. Shower yeah. time is a private time. I don't, I don't need it. I don't need an audience. You know, <laughs> and I, I seem to be getting one lately. So, I could do without that, Dave. How about you, Christina? Well, you know, I do two different shows on. I cover just about every aspect of the paranormal ufology and cryptozoology field, but my biggest ones is sleep paralysis and disclosure. If I think it's going to happen. Disclosure. Oh, my goodness. You know, Joe Montaldo and I talked about disclosure the other night, and I had been thinking a lot about this because it comes up a lot on this show, too. And one of the things that we discussed, and and I had brought it up on this show a while ago, and I hadn't really heard anybody else mention this until Joe brought it up. You know, what kind of lawsuits would be out there against the government if the public found out they knew that these abductions were going on and didn't say anything or protect their citizens over it? Would you sue? Would you be no, and it wouldn't go in, and it wouldn't go anywhere anyway. So I mean, it would be a waste of time. I think. I think you could try and sue, but there are so many things that go on that I mean, the government can't protect every individual person from an abduction at any period in time, at, at right. any given point. You can't. You can't expect the government to protect you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I think people would probably sue, but there's a lot of frivolous lawsuits out there, and I don't think it would go go anywhere. Right. 
They would just I, keep for, you. They would milk you till you had no more money to fight. Can be fruitless. Frankly, I'd forget about the lawsuits and look at the fact that apparently we just had disclosure. Right. Well, I always say on my shows, I mean, disclosure is happening right in front of us. If people are waiting for, you know, a spaceship to sit and land on the White House lawn. I'll tell you, if I saw something like that with my own eyes, I would be very skeptical if it was actually an alien ship, if it wasn't about one of our own. Like, I just don't see that happening. Disclosure is happening around us. I mean, we are disclosure. And so many people are having their own personal experiences, their own sightings. People are paying attention to the skies. There's so much information on the Internet. I mean, it's happening. It's going to happen rather they, the United States wants to admit it or not. Look at all the other countries that have already admitted that they have interaction and they knew about UFOs and things like that. I mean, they're looking at the United States like, really? Like your country, you're the only one that's still dragging your feet in the, in the dirt saying, no, 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 it doesn't exist. And we're all like, okay, okay, we, we believe you. You wouldn't tell us it, that if it wasn't true. But so many things are coming out now that it's changing the way people are thinking and they're starting to think, okay, yeah, what I saw maybe really was a UFO. Maybe I'm not crazy like, you know, the tinfoil hat people, you know. But with all this disclosure in other countries going on, at what point can we expect, why aren't the aliens landing in Paris or, you know, somewhere saying, oh, we're here. But I don't think they need to do that. we always talk yeah, why about waiting they? for a, uh, a UFO to land on the White House lawn. Why does it have to be the White House lawn? If all these other countries in Europe are doing this little bit more than soft disclosure, but releasing these files, at what point do the aliens go, well, they know about us. Let's go, uh, let's go see the Eiffel Tower. Let, let's show them we're here. So what benefit is it for the aliens to uh, have humans know that they exist? Right. I don't think they would care. <laughs> I mean, I don't. But I don't. I mean, no if they benefit, want us to know, they're going to let us so know. Much? Because it's always been something that most people thought to believe is some, you know, crazy people thinking that gray aliens exist, little green men and alien crafts out there, and we are a bunch of nutcases. Now well, things are changing. For all we now do, they're, just like we do. But, the thing is that I see is without some form of verifiable alien technology or alien person, any disclosure could be spun as, well, it's the government of this country trying to get us to not look at this. And, I mean, every government has a history of releasing things that are false to make people look other places. So is the disclosure that they're releasing reliable? Well, let's put it this way. I think for anybody who is skeptical if when the if and when the time comes and I do believe that there will be a time when this this is all put out there and it's just going to be something that people are going to have to accept. It's just I still think it's going to be very hard for a lot of people, but it will be something you have to 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 deal with. But Believe me, it's like, what do you want? Like, I mean, what's it going to take? Is it going to take, you know, all these fleets of UFOs to show up and just start abducting everybody and sucking them up into the air, into the UFOs for them to believe that they existed? I don't know that 
a lot of people want to be abducted to find out if it's real or not. So, but again, I think people's personal experiences are changing how they think about things. And, and come on, I mean, look at how many races of human beings are just on our own planet. Can we really be that ignorant to think that we're the only people of all these different races that look different, and, but yet we're the only ones that exist? That, that's crazy to me. Well, and not just that, but I mean, when we're talking about any type of, uh, you know, wh- you know, whether or not they're going to come to Earth or, or whatnot, any type of infiltration, who's to say it hasn't already happened? Well, right. I, I mean, mean it, <laughs> if they really wanted to hurt us, they wouldn't have to. They wouldn't abduct us and take us back. Like yeah. they would abduct us and keep us, and you know, we would be their food or whatever it is that they might want us to be. You know, they're abducting people, and I, I still agree. I believe that there's an agreement that they have with our government of being able to to do that for medical purposes, and that's exactly what's happening. I, I mean, I talk a lot about this on my show, so it's it's something that I kind of have a have a passion about. But you know, it's it's definitely an interesting time, and and things are changing. So I'll just. I'll say that much. Yeah, I, I think if there's, you know, some sort of alien agenda, it's just, it's in their best interest to keep us, you know, confused and arguing with each other. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Absolutely. I still think, though, that if they wanted to take us over, if they can travel billions of light years to get here from wherever they are, they sure as hell would have the technology to have already taken us over. Oh, Absolutely. So the fact that they haven't, I don't think they're afraid of our primitive nuclear weapons. You know, no, not at all. I mean, obviously, we're, we're probably either one of the best reality TV shows going, everything from porn to <laughs> war, you know. But on the flip side, you know, for all the tests that they do and the amount of people that they are taking, it is strange. Why keep taking people if you've had literally tens of thousands of years to grab as many people as you can from primitive man to to where we are today? It just doesn't make sense to me. That's, that's well, the one. Actually, why not? Actually, though, why not? It was evolving. Yeah, if you look at it from a different point of view, don't look at it for, for this one moment as... Okay, well, they right. should have all the information that they need, so why don't they just take us over? Look at us more as a farm. Would you go and wipe out your crops all in all in one fell swoop without anything to replant it? Or if you had everything that you needed, reproducing and multiplying and 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 thriving right there, and you could just take when needed, would you want to mess with that? I mean, think about that. You know, if you look at it from that point of view, from, you know, a, a, a cultivating point of view, then then the best thing they could do, if that's what they're using us for, is spare parts or, or you know, studying or whatever, is to keep us exactly where we are, exactly how we are, and we're primed for the picking. Mm-hmm. And how different are we? I mean, we do all these scientific type things on animals and humans. I mean, hey, we do some of the worst things worse than probing to, to people, you know, so in the name of science and medicine and things like that. So um, we just, I think, you know, took what they were already doing. But I, I completely agree with you, Vanessa. I mean, we're evolving as a species. And so they continue continue to evolve i mean it's like we're a science project to them you know just think about it and they're just watching us how we're how we're 
evolving and mm-hmm. making adjustments as they go. They wanted to take us out. They could have a long time ago. Oh, we're still all here. <laughs> that so I'm I totally not worried agree about with. them coming destroy anything. You know, destroy the earth or whatever. If that's the case, it would have been done a long time ago. So. I'm going to throw in another question here because Joe in the SOR Space Travelers Club, and you never know if it's actually Joe or his beautifully manicured hair that asks the question, but he says, do you, do UFOs get shot at by the military and civilians more over the United States than in other places? What do you think? Well, I think it depends on, on no, what time we're talking about. I think right now, we're. I mean, and even back before when a lot of people didn't know what they were, I think a lot of countries were shooting them down and trying to figure out what they were and back engineer them and things like that, you you know, figure out what was going on. Um, we definitely have the technology for sure. So wouldn't wouldn't surprise me that we're doing it here now. I would think that the incidences are evenly distributed, you know, maybe we have more of these cases of somebody or of a fighter pilot shooting at a UFO because we have a larger population and land mass. But I think in general, it's probably pretty evenly distributed. I agree. It, it could, it could and plus, be. we don't know what's up there anymore. We have so many of our own top-secret things out there that are misidentified as UFOs. and I mean, there's just so much. That, that's what I'm saying. It makes it very hard nowadays to, to know if it's something from, you know, another galaxy or another ray, or is it something that we've created here? And, you know, it's a big facade. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you really don't hear stories of, a military shooting at a UFO anymore. That seems to have kind of passed, whether it's hidden or just sort of become a thing of the the past. It just seems like you don't hear these stories come up. Right. Right. But they can kind of delete it from, you know, history. Like if you just don't talk about it, you say it doesn't happen anymore. I mean, how can they say that UFOs don't exist, but yet our military is shooting them down? So instead, you just don't talk about it, and you deny, deny, deny until you can no longer deny anymore, and then you come up with another explanation, whether it be national security or, or, you know, just like with Area 51. How long did they say that there was nothing going on at Area 51? And then eventually, they finally were like, okay, so much information came out that proved that Area 51 existed, and they're like, well, all right, we'll come clean. Area 51 exists, but it's not what you think it was used for. And that's like their alternative explanation, and you know well, that's it. When it comes so down to it, we know that we know that the government is still spending millions, probably billions of dollars, um, on exploration for you know communication with uh, extraterrestrials. We know that happens, so mm-hmm. they wouldn't throw that much money uh, at a program if they didn't already know or believe something existed out there. Absolutely. And I mean, then we look at the United Nations, you know, making a grand ambassador, you know, to the alien race. And when they come, you know, we've already got someone here ready for them. Like, who even gives somebody a position like that if, if there's no reason for it? One. I mean, it's, it, it's crazy if, if you just look at things little pieces by little pieces. But if you look at the big picture, because I always say, like, especially in research, it's like putting a puzzle together. 
And with just a few pieces, it can change it into a completely different picture. But then when, you know, if you keep getting all the little pieces, eventually it puts together a pretty good picture of what's going on. So you really have to to really get in there and, and do that research to find all the pieces that fit, you know, perfectly within what you're what you're looking for. No, I can totally understand that. But at the same time, there has to be a public perception as to what people are seeing and what's happening there. The public does have a right to know. That I fully agree with. I still don't agree that the public is ready to know whatever that truth is. Whether that goes yeah. whether that goes back to Eisenhower and the so-called Grenada Treaty or whether that goes back to whatever type of deal was made with other presidents. We really don't know, right? Well, see, that's the thing, Dave. I mean, the public might have a right to know, but they might not have the capability to understand or accept. So, I mean, it's that that's where things get really shady, whether you're talking about UFOs or Bigfoot or paranormal stuff. I mean, sure, we all have a right to know things, but... It's been my experience that the majority of the population can't grasp the concept of something actually existing. No, especially the the ones that are of us that say 30 or over because we were all taught that none of this stuff existed. And now all of a sudden it's like, okay, now we've got all the shows and now they've changed the whole premise of it. Now this stuff does exist. So for our, our young kids, they're very open to all of this. And they're like, well, of course it exists. You know, we're the, we're the ones, you know, the older people are the ones having the problems with it because they're like, how in the world did you tell us our whole life that none of this stuff existed? And now all of a sudden, you know, you're going to drop the bomb on us that, oh, guess what? This stuff does exist. And I mean, that's hard for a lot of people to grasp. Exactly. Well, I would say that there's one good thing about the media and the shows and all that is they have, um, allowed people to come forward and tell their stories because they've seen on TV that here's all these other people out there that have these beliefs and have these experiences. So it's made people a little bit more comfortable to come forward and tell their stories and discover that, yeah, there, there's a lot of people out there that have uh, had these experiences, whether it be ghosts or aliens or what have you. So please come forward, share your story. So that, I would say that's one good thing uh, that has come right. of uh, right. All of this in, in the TV age. That's true. But, but Dave, yeah. this kind of goes back to something Eric Markham and you and I had talked about a while back, just in terms of there's so much soft disclosure that we're almost becoming inundated and the whole topic is becoming kind of blasé that everybody is looking up at the sky thinking, oh, I might see a UFO. At a certain point, we just become so accepting to it that disclosure will be easier as people are accepting and ready and waiting for it. Maybe, you know, right now there's a, a, a significant portion of the population waiting for it and that may be ready for it. But the longer this goes on, the more people will become um, accepting of it and ready for it. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> are, are people right. ready, though? Oh, well, let's hold on a second here. Let's, you know, and I'm not going to delve deeply into religion, but I am going to say I don't believe that 
even though the Pope comes out and says, you know, if if aliens come down from outer space, he, he'd baptize them. I don't think there's 1.3 billion Catholics who are believing that. I don't believe there's, you know, a billion Christians believing that there is, you know, not something demonic about this. We are opening it up, and I think any type of full disclosure opens up such a can of worms with a lot of people between religion, between fear, between... Oh, yeah. Well, everything you know i mean could you imagine the reaction of someone like alex jones over aliens coming down oh he'd freak out he'd have he'd have a meltdown for sure absolutely as much as he talks about this reality would shake him to his core and that's the way it's going to be with a lot of people no matter how much even for people who want to believe like if they were actually to see it with their own eyes i think it would cause like a like panic attack or, you know, just a melt. Nobody knows how they're going to react. Nobody knows. Yeah, that's Maybe take a lot are of we looking space, for but... smaller... Go ahead. <laughs> uh, it's just, I don't know, two people talking at the same time. Um, no, it's going to shake a lot of people's faith, and, and that's kind of a given. But, um, yeah, I, I think people need to, you know, really... You know, delve into what their faith is and, uh, you know, what the teachings they've actually learned is. And if, if that's the Bible, I mean, that's where, you know, my background, you know, came from when, you know, growing up. Um, you know, it, it never said earth only. Um, so I, I think people, it, it's going to force people to become a bit more open-minded. And so people, yeah, they probably are going to lose faith. Um, so it's, it's probably really going to, um, you know, put a whole different, in on religion and what we believe, but you know, for some people, it may solidify it. It's just going to have a real interesting uh, dynamic when disclosure does happen. It, it's but funny could that be why we're about... maybe putting in so much time and effort into looking for simple life forms in other places, basically kind of easing into the whole life somewhere else. I mean, if we start out and bacteria isn't particularly scary, it wouldn't surprise somebody, I suppose, to find some on an asteroid. Then we find it there and then we find a slightly more advanced life form somewhere else. And then we find maybe an algae or a small plant life somewhere else. We're, We're kind of easing into the whole idea of life somewhere else. Well, Plus as far as yeah, that's kind of what they're doing. Like we found, you know, water molecules on an asteroid, so that has the potential for like. Sure, you're right. They're they're kind of easing into it, but I think we know better. You'd like to think so. You would you would think so now where we're at right now. But again, I <clears throat> I interview a lot of people like just out on the streets and around the places I go and just you know, get their thoughts on the paranormal and ufology and things like that. And there's still a lot of closed-minded people out there. Yes. I mean, maybe just because we're in this field and so we're around a lot of people at conferences and, you know, um, doing different things and books and all that kind of stuff. So we're around a lot of like-minded people. So maybe that's the reason because I I didn't realize there were so many still non-believers out of a lot of this thing. I just kind of feel like, oh, my gosh, there's so much information out there. Like, why wouldn't everybody know this? 
and it blows me away when I just go to like the local bars or I just go to local shopping centers and I just start questioning people, you know, telling from my radio show and I do little interviews and stuff. And it, I, it blows me away sometimes the the answers that I get when I ask them, you know, have you ever seen a UFO? Do you believe in, you know, UFOs or aliens? Do you believe in the paranormal? And you still get a lot of people that are, are just no, 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 no. See, that's oh, yeah, my whole family thinks I'm nuts, and they don't believe in uh, ghosts or paranormal or anything like that at all. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, I mean, that's, um, that's the no. thing, though, is I know a lot of people in the paranormal field who still don't believe in UFOs. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's, been my biggest, my, that's been my biggest pet peeve, because that's the reason I started my show, Paranormal Connection, was to show the connections between all the fields. And it's crazy, because I always said, the people in the paranormal, they all kind of stuck together. And, like, when I first started investigating a long, long, long time ago, paranormal was just anything that was just out of the, what people thought were normal. So cryptozoology and ufology all came under the paranormal umbrella. Now it's very separated. So you've got the people in the paranormal, they, you know, deal with the ghosts and the demons and the spirits. Then you've got the ufologists that deal with, you know, the contactees, abductees, aliens, and the uh, UFOs, and then you got the cryptozoology people that do Bigfoot and Mothman and everything else. But each of them stick to their own genres, and they do not research outside of their areas. So the people in the paranormal, they believe in spirits and ghosts, but they don't believe in UFOs and aliens. People in, believe in UFOs and aliens, they don't believe in spirits and ghosts. And neither of them believe in Bigfoot or any of the cryptozoology stuff. And same for the crypto people don't believe in the rest of this stuff. So everybody is very close-minded and only focus on their field. When I started kind of researching across the platform of all these different, you know, reportings, I was starting to notice after years of, you know, having reports brought into me that there were a lot of similarities of reportings between all the different fields. And so a lot of people who were contactees or abductees were having paranormal experiences too. So without looking at things outside of your own comfort zone, you would never know that there were similarities or that there were correlations that might connect the fields together. So that was kind Uh, of... That's because uh, we're we're humans and we love to categorize and compartmentalize everything. So we put on those blinders where we're we're just focused on whatever our you know main uh, main topic or main interest is and everything else no we don't we don't touch that and that's kind of human nature and it's um i don't know almost like a special breed of of person that can uh go across the different uh genres and topics and look at each one individually well with so few experts in any of these fields or no real experts in any of these fields, no experts. Isn't it kind of a leap to expect somebody who is a paranormal investigator or even let's say a paranormal enthusiast who's interested in ghosts and wants to go out to the graveyard. It's hard to take any ideas they have when they start to formulate them that maybe this ghost is connected to those UFOs, it's hard for them, I think, to make that leap because they're not knowledgeable enough in so many other aspects of the whole paranormal field that I don't think you can really expect them to do that. Well, it really, the only, 
there's only been two common denominators and um, in the people that I have come across who believe in the paranormal but don't believe in UFOs or, or anything like that, cryptozoology, whatever. Um, two main things, and that is fear of the unknown, because they don't consider paranormal the unknown. They just consider it different. So it's fear of the unknown because of all the movies and, and, and everything else out there and religion because it puts everything they've been taught into question. So they, those are the two things they can't seem to get past, that they can get past with the paranormal field. So it isn't that they, that they separate them because they, they, they have an, an actual reason to because they're completely different. They separate them because of these two personal things, fear and religion. So, I mean, if we could get past that and get people to kind of open their minds a little bit on the religion aspect, because that's the biggest one that puts their God into question, then I think we would have a lot more, you know, a lot more open conversation about it and a lot less um, apprehension on things like that happening. Everett, I'm going to ask you the same question here. Out of all the topics that you have researched in the paranormal, which one really has you scratching your head? I think I would have to say it's a trend that's going on right now, and that's this Antarctica whole idea. Every day I'm seeing more and more reports coming out of Antarctica, and Honestly, I don't know why. I, I, I just don't. Except for the fact that it's easy to make something up and say it's down there. Um, there's no real reason or even evidence that anything is going, down, going on down there, but it never goes away. But wouldn't that be a great place to hide someplace? To hide someplace? And that's the argument they use. But it's also hard. You can't verify it. You can't investigate it. You can't do anything about it because, you know, most of us can't afford to just hop on a plane and go down to Argentina Very and true. sail over there. Very true. But also, if there's nothing there, why would they be flying all of these dignitaries and people from our government over there for a private meeting? And that was documented that they did that. But who who is it documented by, though? Okay, and and that's where you know the journalist in me kind of comes out to play and says, who is it documented by? Like if if it's something like before it's news or you know, you know, or some somebody along that, I'm not buying it. You know, it's just like that tweet that Buzz Aldrin was supposed to have made in the Antarctic that never happened yet went viral. You know that and the other. The other thing is we do have scientific stations down there to study a variety right. of different things. So it wouldn't be uncommon for NOAA or NASA or a variety of different agencies to send scientists down there to see the facilities. You know what, though? They also had high-ranking military, et cetera. They had a lot of people that were, were going out there. And, again... All of what you're saying is true. But again, obviously something is going on there that is very, very hush-hush. 
Well, there's been speculation about Antarctica since World War II and the Nazis. So, yeah, um, yeah. And how much of that has really been disclosed or you know speculated about? We we don't know. There's a lot of different theories. Right. Maybe they're and looking for Megatron. None of us can get out there, so we won't be able to find out. <laughs> they're still looking for Megatron. That's what I'm going to say. They are still looking for <laughs> Megatron. No, but you know what? You bring up. You guys bring up some very good points, though. And let's bring this all together. Why does the paranormal always have to have that next subject? Okay, I haven't been doing this as long as you guys have. But in my 29, 30 months of doing this, let's see. There's been demons everywhere, disclosure. We've had Antarctica. We've had Flat Earth. We've had the Mandela Effect. We've had you know, paranormal television up the yin-yang. Um, we've had so many different topics that just get, oh, let's, you know, I'm not getting into this topic, but I'm going to mention the name. So all of you tinfoilers, just calm down when I say this. Pizza Gate's another one that proved false and empty. All right. And there's no basement on that pizza place. So just so you know, but there's all of these different topics that everybody seems to jump on every four to five to six months. And then we move on to a different topic. Are we as a field that gullible, Mike, that we have to find a new bright color that shines that we are all of a sudden experts on, even though I know there's no experts, but I'm going to use that term. Why is it like that? Why do we shoot ourselves in the field or in the foot in this field all the time? <laughs> yeah, there's no experts. Um, but I think what it is is um, we know I, there's something innate within us that we know that there's something more going on than we can see, that there's something more going on than what we're being told. And it's our innate curiosity and our desire to uh, find out that information that, you know, keeps us going. And so when some of these different uh, topics and theories get thrown out there, we're like, oh, hey, you know, what's that? Let's start investigating that. Let's start looking into that. And it might, it might just be a wild goose chase, but it's that um, curiosity within us and that knowing that there's something uh, bigger uh, out there than, uh, than what we've been told that that drives us to you know go down those rabbit holes now i'm i'm going to take a different approach mike and i believe you're right but i believe it's twofold um personally what i have what i have noticed is one of the reasons that there can be topic after topic um being brought up in this field is because people who aren't experts because as we've all stated there are no experts in this field they desperately need the attention of being considered an expert. And when you're talking about a subject that literally can't be proven beyond a shadow of a doubt, 100%, it's very easy for people to come in with very little research or very little knowledge and they, they speak enough and they talk enough and they and, and they pound their fist enough and say, this is the way it is, and th this is what I know that people start to believe them. And it's kind of like a power trip. I've seen it with my own two eyes. I've watched people do it. And uh, I've sat there with my jaw kind of hanging down because people buy it. 
But honestly, I, I really do believe that's part of it. People desperately, that they're, they're so, they, they live such a mundane life in many instances that if they can grasp onto something like this and run with it, they'll do it. But isn't the cycling, like you said, people lead a mundane life. The cycling through topics, how much of it has to do with the paranormal community has essentially turned itself into entertainment. And if we don't cycle through the topics, one is going to get boring. Everybody's going to get tired of not hear, you know, of hearing the same thing over and over again. So we cater to the the fear and the entertainment value by cycling through these things. And then we come up with, you know, some new unverified rumor or idea that people can grab onto and just write whatever they want and generate some buzz. And it sticks around for four five, six months. People start to get bored with it. So we move on to the next new and exciting thing for a while. Well, you're going to have that because the media jumps on all of that. They keep, Right. You know, digging and digging and digging for any little theory that somebody's thrown out there that they can jump on because they need something new. Um, they can't rehash the same old thing on, on the network. So you're going to have a bit of that. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, a lot of people, <laughs> you know, it, it does. You know, some, some of the crazy things that are out there, they, they spark that little bit of, you know, curiosity of, oh, what was that? And Vanessa's right. There are some people that just, you know, <laughs> throw things out there to kind of toot their own horn. Like, oh, I'm an expert in, you know, you know, pink bunnies with horns. I, you know, <laughs> whatever it may be. Well, but hold I, on, but I like especially, them. Especially with the alternative media. You know, a lot of people are turning to alternative media, but what they're not understanding is a lot of these alternative media sites, the content is placed by the, the followers of the site. So the, a lot of the information is never verified. It's just put out there. I mean, it's getting as bad as mainstream media with the crap that they put out there. It bothers me because I've been doing this for so long, and I've seen so many pictures that have gone out there of different, you know, paranormal stuff and UFO stuff. And then you see, like, every four or five years, the pictures, the videos, the story, it gets changed and it gets re remodeled and they put it back out there again and then it goes, it starts trending and it goes viral. And I look at it and people start sending it and they're like, oh my gosh, this just came out of Puerto Rico today. You know, what do you think? And I'm like, I just saw this video five years ago. Like, why is it out again? And now they're saying it happened in Colombia. I mean, it's, it, it's crazy. It's, it's as great as the internet is. It is also a place for so much disinformation. It's it's very hard. You really have to do some research nowadays before you really make an opinion. And again, in a field of so-called researchers, it's very frustrating when you see that nobody researches anything for themselves. They just go with whatever the popular vote is on what it says. True story. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And, and and we're going to get more into the whole fear-mongering aspect in our number three, because personally I think that's what's destroying the momentum of the alternative media, especially that it had uh, coming out over the last couple of years. And it had a good place after the election, especially with President Trump, you know, chiming in on the whole fake news aspect of the mainstream. But... When it comes to these topics in regards to, you know, 
how the public would react, how everybody would react. How do we digest so many differing opinions to come to one conclusive effort? And no, I'm not saying para-unity here, okay? But to come to one conclusive effort, an idea, in order to bring the entire field around Everett to try and bring everybody under the same umbrella. Oh, that's hard, if not impossible. I mean, you're always going to have the people who say, my idea, my theory, my whatever I'm putting forward is better than yours. It's it's always going to be that way. And I don't think that you can really have any one kind of idea under the umbrella with everybody supporting it. I think what's eventually going to happen is there are going to be some serious researchers, some people out there who aren't making YouTube videos and aren't doing all kinds of things to get their 15 minutes of fame. They're going to one day have something viable, something verifiable, something real, and hopefully it'll be presented in a, whether it be a academic research paper or a real documentary style thing. I I don't think there's going to be a massive, oh, we've all come together with this idea thing. I don't think it'll ever happen. Yeah, the problem is that we're we're in a field that deals, you know, primarily with theories. You know, there's no cold, hard facts here. So you're always going to have people arguing their theory against each other. But he's absolutely correct. People People can't even agree within teams on how to investigate. I mean, everybody that I've investigated with has a different way of doing it and different way of doing their cleansings. And, you know, some people have demonologists and how they do this. Every, like, nobody agrees. Everybody thinks their ideas and the ways they do things are better than the other people. This is the most competitive yet backstabbing field I have ever been involved with. But, again, you know, this is my life. Like, this is, it didn't, I didn't choose it. It chose me. And so I just try to keep doing what I'm doing, work with the people that I know are, you know, think a lot in the way I am as far as, like, you know, respecting the spirit world. And I'm very picky about who I work with. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so... You sounded very thuggly there. (laughs) I I am a little sometimes, you know. This life chose me. It chose me. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah, I, I had my fingers together and the Italian in me. That was. I could see you doing that. I could see you I, doing I, that. I bet you could. Wearing your headband and your colors. I mean, it, it would look good. Oh, it will. Ready it to go. Will. We only have about a minute and a half here before we got to leave. Mike, I'll give you the final word on this. Do you think then that that it is possible to try and and garner some attention? towards steering the paranormal into some sort of unified direction? Yeah, it's you know, like we've already been saying. It's extremely extremely challenging, almost impossible, because, you know, everybody does have their own theories. Um, you know, you, you know, people run around with gadgets saying, well, we're doing this scientifically. It's like, it, no, be, you know, to run... A you know a real scientific experiment. You need a control object, and with the paranormal being so completely random, you can't possibly have that. So, you know, running scientific experiments 
are, is kind of a moot point. I mean, you can run experiments, but they're not truly scientific. So how do you come up you with hard and concrete Dave. facts? Right. Like that that in, right, Dave? What's that? I learned something at the Paracon last year. What's that? I said, unless you have a scientist on your team, like you do, and how you, that you did, and so then you can run a scientific experiment. Yeah, where the hell is our scientist tonight? He hasn't shown up yet. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't shown up yet. <laughs> I wonder where he's at. Everett, Everett where's, where's Markham? Where's Markham? I've been looking for him for a couple of days. I wonder if he went binging. Oh, maybe he's out doing a scientific experiment. Maybe. You know, he, he did get a couple new guitars, I think, in the last couple oh, weeks. Goodness. And an amp, so we might not see him for a week or two. There you mm. go. Unless the ghost in his house stole the parts to the guitar again. <laughs> and, and on that note, guys, we're going to hop out for our final break of the night. The Reporters happens the first, or make that the third Monday of every month. Tonight we are joined by Mike Rickshecker, Vanessa Hogel, Christina George, and Everett Themer, and yours truly. If you haven't checked out our new logo, check it out. We want to thank our terrestrial stations, WQEE in Georgia, and down in New Orleans, United Public Radio Networks, enjoying our time with you. We'll be right back, right after this break. Check out our website as well. Because, well, we're asking you to. We'll be right back. The SOR Sightlines is a place for you to find answers to your strange experiences. Hi there, this is Mike Schmidt. If you have had an encounter with ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, ETs, or anything else that doesn't make sense, head to spacedoutradio.com and file a Sightlines report. All information you give is 100% confidential, and I will personally help you find the answers you need. SOR Sightlines. Your answers are a click away. Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend, I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com. Hi there. I'm Butch Witkowski, lead investigator with the Cop. On the final Monday of every month, you can listen to me and host Dave Scott on Spaced Out Radio's Strange Days. We're going to get to the heart of the matter when it comes to what's happening out there. People are seeing and experiencing things from ET contact to Bigfoot, and I want to hear about it. Your experiences are what we investigators need to help solve these unknown mysteries, so tune in at spacedoutradio.com to the final Monday of every month from Butch Wachowski's Strange Days. Visit purpleplates.com today. For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. With their money-back guarantee and the many benefits, how can you afford not to get one? Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com for mind, body, and spirit. And expect a miracle. This is your medium, Joanna, from Spaced Out Weekend, Two Mediums and a Large. 
I would love it if you would come and join us with host James Tyson every other Sunday on Spaced Out Weekend. Together, we will take your calls and your questions live. Our goal is to provide you with a positive outlook on deep questions that you may have. Questions regarding love, relationships, money, or whatever else is on your mind. Come and check us out at spacedoutradio.com. This is Eric Markham, news editor for Spaced Out Radio's The Encounter Online. We have put together a great team of writers and journalists from all over the world to bring you top-quality paranormal stories, from alien encounters to the latest conspiracies. You won't find any of that fake news here. True stories and top-notch reporting as we look to bring these experiences to the mainstream. The Encounter, online, only at spacedoutradio.com. Patrolling the Pacific Northwest, we are always on the lookout for the strange and unassuming stories that real people are experiencing. Hi, I'm Vincent Zunza from Pacific North Weird. Me and Alexandra Sullivan have teamed to bring to you those odd stories that never seem to make it into the mainstream. Stories so weird that we'll leave you scratching your head wondering, is this real? It's as real as it gets with Pacific North Weird. You can watch our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com. Become more intimate and interactive with Spaced Out Radio. Join our Space Travelers Club with your new membership. For $5 a month, we'll provide you with special access to the website, monthly prize draws from books to psychic readings, along with monthly newsletter, private interviews, and more. Sign up today to be part of Spaced Out Radio's experience. Looking for a place to advertise at a very reasonable cost? Look no further than Spaced Out Radio. SpacedOutRadio.com has an advertising tab that you can click to check out our daily, weekly, and monthly packages to play on the radio or our website, including social media. From commercial spots to banners, we have it all. Check out our competitive pricing today. Don't have time to listen to Spaced Out Radio Live? Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today. You hear footsteps in the empty room above you. A rocking chair begins rocking by itself. Don't be afraid of the things that go bump in the night. Reach for Spirit Story Box. The iPhone app the Huffington Post UK called the only ghost hunting app you will ever need. Spirit Story Box. The spirits are telling their stories. Are you listening? Strange creatures lurking in the night, the sounds of wood knocking in the forest, odd happenings right out of a fictional world. These are the reports I love. Hi there, this is author Ronald Murphy, and I would love it if you join me and Spaced Out Radio host Dave Scott the second Wednesday of every month on our journey into the unknown land of cryptozoology at spacedoutradio.com. From Mothman to Frogman and everything in between, hey, they don't call me the crypto guru for nothing. Did you know that Spaced Out Radio runs seven days a week? 
Hi, it's James Tyson from Spaced Out Weekend. Every Saturday and Sunday night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, you can join me and my guests for some great chatter about what's going on out in the universe or even in that dark part of the basement you really don't want to go back into. Well, let's find the answers to your experiences together. So come on up to Uncle Jimbo's cabin on the weekend. For more information, look us up at spacedoutradio.com. The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and hashtag Spaced Out Radio. And on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Good to have you along for the ride. Tomorrow night, we get into the field of UFOlogy. UFO skeptic Richard Giordano will join us all the way from Arizona. It's going to be a great night of UFO talk. I highly suggest you come in, you drop your questions in the chat rooms or on Twitter and have some fun with us. We get going at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time at spacedoutradio.com. We want to say hello to our terrestrial radio stations. WQEE 99, rock the key down in noon in Georgia. We are also live on the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Good to have you with us as well. We're live on KTLK, the Fringe FM, our night number one with them. Thank you, Dave and Joe, for bringing us on board to take over your nights. We are also live in Las Vegas on Renegade Talk Radio. And if you're listening in on Revolution Radio, remember the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Bill Cardwell has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club, Zewishenzug. Zawishinzug is your password. Make sure you use it wisely, space travelers, as Bill sets a password each and every night. Hey, if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow me on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. Use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio if you want to get your question or comment to me as well. You can also give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. You can tune us in on TuneIn, download this show and others on iTunes. We're also on TalkStream Live, RadioGuide.fm, and on Stitcher, our website is spacedoutradio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you, including reading up on the encounter online. For five bucks a month, you can become an SOR space traveler, or you can head over to patreon.com, and for low as one dollar a month, you can become a patron of Spaced Out Radios as well. The third Monday of every month, we do the encounter online. Tonight, we are joined by Mike Ricksecker, Vanessa Hogel, Christina George, and Everett Themer. We bring in the team now. Everyone, ladies, gentlemen, Welcome back. Hello. Good to be back. Welcome back. Thank well, you. thanks. I'm glad I'm here, too. I'm glad I'm here, too. I mean, we're not going to get into the whole pizza debate, because for some of us, pizza is a, is, is a lust, and, and it hurts, <laughs> hurts our system. I suffer from diverticulitis, so pizza is just vicious on me. Absolutely vicious. But I still like it. 
I still sneak some here every now and again. I'm not going to lie. Me too. Yes. <laughs> Me too. Absolutely. Good enough to suffer for. Absolutely. All right. Let's get to a question from Claudia right now. Claudia, good to have you back in the chat room. And Ron Moniak, it's been a while. We know you have been tending to your very ill father. Man, is it good to see you back in the SOR Space Travelers Club again on Facebook. Thank you so much for showing up tonight, man. It has been fantastic seeing you pipe up again in the chat room. Claudia's question, though, is to the panel. Seems the veil is lifting, absolutely, and it seems more people are experiencing other dimensions easier with a thought or an intention. Do any of you, panel, believe more people are having the aha-type experience more often? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) Without a doubt, yes, absolutely. I think people are definitely becoming more comfortable with talking about it. I think people have always had these experiences, but I think as the discussions move forward, there are a lot more people out there comfortable to say what they've experienced instead of just hiding it. Yeah, I would agree with Everett. I think the veil has been lifting for, you know, thousands of years. I think people are actually, you know, even more spiritual, more aware you know, two, four thousand years ago, um, and we became very close as a society to that. But recently, we've allowed ourselves to be more open to it. I think it's always been there. The veil does seem, though, is is getting thinner. I mean, the energy is changing. Uh, the things that people are reporting, and again, I I agree with all of you. We are all born with these abilities. We all have them. But many people who have either had blocks or have not been very connected with them are sensing the change. Things are changing. Now they are very aware where they weren't before. So something's definitely changing. Well, one of the other things that's changing with it, and Christine, let me know if you agree with this or not, but as as it does seem to be getting thinner, yes, of course, we're having more experiences, but I myself am finding it a lot more difficult to shield. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. It's troubling. <laughs> yeah. But can, can you really say can you really say the veil is getting thinner? If you look back two thousand years ago when let's use Native Americans or First Nations where they had these stories and they were so connected to the unknown or their their beliefs or their ideas wouldn't couldn't you say the veil was thinner back then when they were more connected as a population Actually, to yeah. to spirituality or to these ideas than than you could say now when you know the oh, new yeah. generation stares at their TV with a game controller wondering you know where their participation trophy is. Well, the difference right. isn't it isn't um, back then the, the the time that you're talking about. They were seeking communication and guidance and direction from these from these th- their spiritual beings. They were actually getting into it and and actually going after it themselves. When we say the veil is lifting, we're not seeking that interaction. That interaction is is happening without any contribution from us, whether we right. wanted to or not. Exactly. 
which is where the difficulty in shielding and everything else comes into play. Because when you're somebody like Christina or myself or anyone who has any type of abilities and you try to block those, it's so much more difficult now to block it. We don't have to to put any effort into contact or communication. It just is. And so, I mean, that's why I agree one, you know, one hundred percent that it's that it's thinning. Well, I'm I'm still not sure on it. I'm just I'm not sure if it's thinning or people as they step away from traditional beliefs or maybe expand on those traditional beliefs, if they're just not picking up more and tuning in more to what is natural to mankind. I mean, or maybe both it could, but do we give that much credit to it being a veil that is thinning rather than people expanding their horizons? Well, I'll tell you personally, as a person having a very strong abilities, um, it's different from person to person, but the reportings are are amazing that are coming through and people who have never claimed to have any abilities all of a sudden have these abilities. But for the people who already have them out there, we can feel it. We can, we read energy and we can feel the difference. And believe me, you know, any people that are psychic mediums out there, super strong empaths and sensitive, ask them, they'll tell you, you can feel the change. Oh Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that's the difference of the sensitivities of the person, you know, that's experiencing this shift. But many people are experiencing it on many different levels. It's palpable. Anybody else want to weigh in on that? Yes? No? Maybe? Well, I, I'm, for, for me, I mean, I don't have the type of abilities that... Uh, that Vanessa or, or Christina have. I mean, people tell me that I'm more sensitive than I give myself credit for, but I certainly don't have the type of sensitivities that they have. Um, you know, I just you know, threw out there earlier that, you know, thousands of years ago, it seemed people were more spiritual, more in tune with um, the other side than for many, many years. Um, you know, we weren't. You know, we, as a society, we, we kept ourselves very closed off. Now, whether that was um, they were seeking it or they already knew it existed, um, you could debate that because, you know, basically the, the ancient records that we have are, sure, there was some seeking going on, but there was some knowledge that they knew, they inherently knew as well. So I think you could, you could debate that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yes, I guess so. And I didn't mean to clear my throat there. I forgot my mic was still on. So I apologize. <laughs> Eric Cooper, Eric Cooper brings up a good point. He says, what if there is no veil? It's only a concept, but people are just waking up. I think we just kind of touched on that. So let's move on. I, I, Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think that's a good point. I think they are. I think people are waking up. Moving on to our next topic, fear-mongering. We see a lot of it in the alternative media these days. At first, the fear-mongering hit the mainstream media thanks to companies like CNN. And then all of a sudden, 
people started turning away from the mainstream looking for alternative news sources. They found it online with the Huffington Post. They found it online with Jeff Rents or Alex Jones or people along those lines. But it seems like now we see a lot more of the alternative media starting to throw this fear-mongering attitude at people that everything is rigged everything is contrived the outcomes to absolutely everything from your lottery wins to the super bowl to what's happening around the world with with government involvement is already preordained at what point does the public throw their hands up because they have no other way to turn everett i want to start with you on that you know, I, I don't think, honestly, that the public will ever throw their hands up because people either. like to be fed. They like to be told what to think. And all of these fear-mongering journalists or personalities, they have their audience. And some of them started out as legitimate, good journalists. And then they maybe saw that you know, they developed this audience and they could start to make a dollar because journalism really doesn't pay a heck of a lot. They, they saw they could make a dollar and they started catering to what they knew their audience would eat up and buy and support them with. And it just became a money-making endeavor at that point. So for some, for, for the average listener, the average viewer, the person looking for real news, I I don't think, I I think there are some out there that are smart enough to go from, you know, website to website to mainstream media and collect a variety of different opinions. But on the other hand, I think there is a large portion of the population that's never going to throw their hands up because they like watching CNN 24 hours a day or they like watching a particular personality on Fox News or one of the other news channels. And they're happy with that and they're happy with what they're told. So they have no reason to throw their hands up. Right. And we've been taught to choose It's all about what sells and shock journalism sells. Absolutely. So there's one side or the other side. Everybody's going to choose a side of whatever they feel is is right or wrong, and that's the side that they're going to fight on until and believe in. Nobody will ever. It kind of goes back to the skepticism. You have to be willing to challenge what you believe and what you know and get the other point of view, the other side, the other the other look or take at a story, but people don't want to put that effort in. Now they really don't. Is it, is it a matter of effort or not being trained Everett? Because there's a couple of different things. Okay. We got a lot of people in this field who call themselves scientists, but they aren't. We got a lot of people who call themselves journalists, but they aren't. We have a lot of people who call themselves television stars, but they aren't. We seem to want to play a lot of roles but not do the actual work that goes along with getting there. I have no problem, and I'm not saying this to brag, I have no problem saying I'm a journalist. I'm not a researcher. I'm not an investigator. I am a journalist. That's what I went to college for. I spent 10 years in mainstream for that. Okay, 
when I am stating an opinion, I make sure everybody knows that is my opinion. It's not that I'm throwing it out there for for the public to say, hey, you know what, this is, this is God-given fact that I'm giving you. That's not what it's like whatsoever. We still have too many people out there who are trying to trying to do that. And so is it a matter of fact that we're using titles because we're addicted to titles rather than actually doing the work to earn and understand what that title actually means? I think it, may, it depends on the title. I, I think there are a lot of people out there who have the mentality of I'm a journalist because I write. Writing is a very right. small part of journalism. There, you know, you have to take into account a variety of different factors. Just because you write something does not make you a journalism or a journalist. A scientist, yeah, you have ghost hunters out there claiming to be follow a scientific method, but you can't really claim that you're a scientist unless you have a background in one of the sciences. So I, I, it's kind of tough. You can't really go around assigning some titles, but the people that really want to feel self-important or they want a title, I think they gravitate to fear-mongering and the paranormal and, and topics like these because it's easy to give yourself a title, make yourself important, sound like you're an expert, or an authority, let, let's not say export, let, let, let's say authority, <laughs> and, and get an audience. Very true. I understand that, and I can appreciate that. But we have too many people wearing the hat. Okay, we could get into the whole radio debate on whether or not this whole field is, is sensationalized and too spread out too thin. So that way we don't have accurate reporting anymore. But on the flip side, you know, there's a lot of people who want to do this and they and they, they're trying their best at any time to make a story happen. It's not their fault that they're not trained. It's not their fault that, you know, they're taking this up as a hobby and then becoming, you know, you know, using that title as if that's what they are. Mike, you're an author and you've got some great books. And I know in the, in the field of authors, there's a huge debate going on about people who self publish compared to people who are actually going through a publisher. And there is a big, a big difference in between the two. What, what's your opinion on all of this? Yeah, the uh, whole publishing industry has uh, become a really strange animal over the uh, past several years. Um, you know, with with the advent of a lot of these, uh, you know, new ways of publishing. You know, in, in some ways, it's it's great that you know anybody can get published now. You know, because there was a large you know blockade uh, to try to get into there to you know the more you know traditional publishers. You know, was, you know, a lot of times it was about who you knew. Maybe you just ended up on a slush pile, and you might be a great writer. Um, and, and sometimes it was kind of luck of the draw. So, you know, it's fantastic that now, you know, anybody can get published. The problem is that 
anybody can get published. And so there's a lot of garbage out there. Um, so it's really, uh, you know, saturated the entire publishing industry. Um, and yeah, anybody can self-publish out there and, and call themselves an author. So, you know, now it comes down to um, the reader having to do research on somebody's background to find out, you know, who, who they really are, you know, if their work is legitimate and what have you. And a lot of readers just don't want to put that time and effort into it. Um, right. You know, I've, I've picked up a number of books uh, from people, you know, just kind of based on, okay, you know, here, here's a title and here's a, you know, a little snippet of what the book is about. And you know, it's like, okay, that sounds interesting. Let me, you know, take a look at that and start reading through it. And it's, it's terrible. <laughs> you know, it's like almost incomprehensible English. How did this person get published? You know, um, but but it wasn't. It was just you know they they threw something together and it ended up you know they were able to put it out there on Amazon. So um, it, it's a real the publishing industry is a real challenge these days. A good, In the radio shows. A good point made on Twitter at hashtag Space Out Radio by Mister Skeptic. He says, "What is fake or clickbait news today?" Was considered yellow journalism in the 1890s, and we best get used to it. Would you all agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 human nature. We do the same things over and over again. It's just a newer technology that's used to do the same thing. How do we get through that? How do we get the public to see through? You know, as soon as you figure Education. that out as soon as you figure that out, the marketers and the writers writing a lot of this stuff will figure out a way around that and people will hit, will be clicking their stuff again. It's, it's a cycle. I I think, I think it always boils down to somebody getting multiple opinions and using their own brain. But people are also quick, Everett, to jump on the the best thing that suits their needs, and we see that so much now. I mean, you look you look at all of these, and we've talked about this on this show before. Maybe not with Mike and and Vanessa and Christina, but you see all of these these online radio shows covering the topics that we do on a daily basis. It spread the audience so thin that rarely do we have anybody now. You know, listening in when before it when it, there wasn't as many shows out there. You know, you went to where the talent was, not to what the topic du jour was. And now we have too many people choosing topics and choosing radio shows that are just going with their opinion that agrees with them and not actually doing the full on research anymore. But you're always going to have that. You're going to have that with TV, with radio, with, with books, with any, ty- any type of what's considered entertainment media. You're always going to have that. Um, it, there's not really any way to stop that. The only thing that you can do is to continue doing the best that you possibly can do and hope that those who appreciate it and to a certain degree to, you know, agree with it will continue to support you. Well, I think part of the problem is journalists themselves, because today you don't 
you don't often read a story that is actual journalism that presents, you know, this side and this side, and let's let's look at everything possible. You have kind of a one-sided report is is basically what you're getting in a lot of journalism. So it's easy for people to just go with what they like because they're never being challenged. Everything they read is spun or skewed towards what they want to see or hear or read. And it's very easy for them to just fall in that pattern of, this is what I want to hear. There aren't many right. journalists out there who are saying, you know, here's point A, but also here's point B. Let's examine the difference. Let's let's look at this from the two sides. Well, yeah, people have electronics. People want instantaneous. They don't want to have to do any work. They don't want to have to go and research anything. They just want somebody want to ask Siri and have Siri give her give you the answer. I mean, people are so lazy now, and unfortunately, again, the web is a great place, but it's also it is changing things. And it is definitely changing journalism uh, because there's so many platforms now where people don't have to need don't need a journalism background and get out there and they can do live stream videos or YouTube videos and put their opinions out. And people who have the same mindset are going to be gravitated towards those people as it's always been. So I'm, I, I kind of agree with Vanessa. It's just, we're not here to educate the world because the world is not ready for the answers. What we are here to do is to educate those who are ready to be educated. And those are the people we have to focus on. Absolutely true. I agree with that. Because mm -hmm. otherwise you will rack your brain trying to figure out all these things. <laughs> You'll make yourself nuts. Right. Absolutely. You can make yourself nuts with that. Absolutely. But... In the end, who educates the public? If they can't rely on themselves to find good news, because as Mr. Skeptic says at hashtag Space Out Radio on Twitter again, he says, this crap survives because critical thinking is not a popular skill. Right. And Absolutely. I would exactly. Yeah, that's the, that's the problem, Dave. And Dave, here's, here's what I do, is I put the information that I've researched and all that, what have you, I put it out there for people to find. And, you know, those that are interested are going to come and they're going to, you know, take a look and they're going to read it and they're going to watch it. Cause I do yes, the YouTube videos that you know, we keep talking about, um, you know, and some people are going to be ready for that. And some people aren't, you know, some people are going right. to shy away from it because that's not what they want. Well, fine. You know, but there are people, like Christina said, that you know are ready and they are going to click into it. So I will keep doing what I do to you know help educate those that are ready for what I have for them. And that's not going to be the whole world. There's going to be plenty of people that you know criticize what I do. There's some people that are going to think I'm crazy or what have you. Well, so be it. Um, but there are plenty of people out there. I mean, there's how many, how many billions of people in the world <laughs> that that are going to be ready for it. And so that's right. all we can that's all we can do is just put it out there. When I first started in radio, I had 33 listeners, and the network that I was at told me I didn't have a career in radio. And for most people, that would deter them and probably make them give up. For me, that made me want to prove that I could do it even more. And now I'm going seven years in, and I 
to have two shows with between half a million and 700,000 live listeners a week. There are plenty of people out there that are looking for good content shows. I mean, there's just, it's so oversaturated right now. But again, so many people are getting into this and they run out of topics. They run out of guests. They run out of things to talk about. So eventually they just die off. It's too much work. So the, for those of us, like you, myself, Dave, all of us that are out there doing radio shows, we know how hard it is. We know how much work is put towards it. But we know what we're doing is important and it's worth it. And so that's why we'll stick around. That's why we'll get a following. That's why people will still listen to us. And believe me, whether I have a million listeners or I have one listener, as long as there's one person still listening, I will still be doing my show. And that's absolutely true. And doing what we do, Dave, um, Mike and I have found this out, you know, with, with our show and everything and how we started out and what we're doing now. And, you know, I put out YouTube videos just like Mike does, um, not on a professional level. It's me, my opinions on different topics um, that deal with the paranormal, with um, being a psychic, being a medium, sensitive, whatever you want to call it. And I am amazed to this day that those little videos from from little old me have actually gotten conversations started underneath it. Right. People, yeah, I mean, and they're tuning in and the numbers just are going higher and higher. And those people are now watching mine and Mike's rabbit hole. They're listening to yep. this, and it's it's all getting out there, getting the proper information out there, being who we are, not people that we aren't. We're, we're just us, getting the information out there to the best of our ability, and we're acquiring the right listeners by doing it the right That's way. Right. That's right. That's right. And the, the people that are, you know, people are craving somewhere to connect. So yes. in a way, it's it's good. I mean, again, there's a lot of content out there, but you see a lot of shows come and go. I've seen so many shows start on Blog Talk, and three weeks later, they're not even on anymore. So, I mean, but there is so many platforms. So, you know, people just kind of have to do their research and just kind of, you know, find. And now there's so much content that I know people that listen to my show and then they go and take a break and then they listen to Dave's show afterwards, you know, or listen to other shows on our network, on the EPRN network, because we have all kinds of people who talk about all these subjects. So it's great that there are our shows out there like all of ours that are getting this information out. And again, we can just hope that the right people get to our shows and the right information gets to the right people that it needs to help. And that's all we can do. True. But in the meantime, they really got to put on the chest waders and wade through the garbage and the BS that is absolutely stinking up this field of the media, Everett. True. And I think one of the things that we do a little bit differently is that we get a lot of chatter with different news stories and this is going on here and and something's happening here. The one thing that we do before we say anything anything about any of these stories is start checking store uh, sources. I mean, we get a, a tip or a, an idea or a hint that something's going on. You know, we read the story that maybe somebody has, has linked to us. And then we start looking to see if in that area, any local papers have picked up something about this story or any 
networks or TV shows have picked up any, anything about this story. And surprisingly, you, it's surprising how many of these stories go nowhere. There, there will be this news story on a website, but if you try and find something, I'm trying to think of the last one we had, I think it was in Brazil. Um, there was nothing about it locally, really. No, no real news sites had anything about it or no, no reliable sites or networks had anything about it. So we let it go just as fake news. We kind of have to do the research for the listeners. Sometimes there are a lot of smart listeners that listen to spaced out radio and do their own research, but there are a lot of people out there too that you know, like we've said, don't do the research. So we kind of do it for them. So is it a matter of the older crowd that we're still trying to convince? I'm saying the 40 plus, or do we have to start focusing in on these younger millennials who are a little bit open, more, more open-minded, pardon me, to try and get the message out as to what's real and what's fake? I think it's a mix. I think there are some very smart younger people who are internet savvy and looking for uh, alternative sites and are doing the work to form their opinions. But I think that there are some that are more interested, just like, you know, a big part of the older generations. They're just interested in being told what to think. And on the other hand, not everybody who's over 40 just stares at one particular news network 24 hours a day. And that's what they believe. There are a lot of them out there too, that are willing to do some of the work and are willing to search out their own opinions. So I don't think you can really make that label or lump everybody together like that. Mike, I'm curious to get your opinion on that. Um, you know, it, it, it's interesting because there are a lot of older people, and you're right, the, the millennials just, they seem to be a more curious crowd and, and have been looking into you know, a lot of this, but I've had a lot of older people um, come to me and say, you know, I've always wondered about, you know, you know, this that I witnessed, this that happened to me in the past, you know, these things that you know, my parents always told me, you know, weren't real, but I had this experience that, you know, lends me to believe that maybe it was real. And so I, I think a lot of them, um, you know, with the, you know, openness that's been coming in recent years, um, you know, have been reaching out a bit more. So while there may be, if you just look at like the demographics of, you know, of our site and our videos and everything, you know, it's more, is more of a, uh, of a younger crowd. Um, I think the reaction from the older crowd, which we do have, you know, several, um, is more of, you know, they're, they're coming back to experiences that they had had in their past and they're becoming more curious about it. So I think they're starting to open up while the millennials were kind of already there. Mm -hmm. I could see, I could see that. I could see that very much so, you know, but I like Deb's comment at hashtag Space Out Radio here. She says, The older crowd, like myself, are realizing the BS on other shows was running deep. Can't lump older generations 
with the newer listenership. I think that's important. And she follows up, pardon me, she follows up moments ago with, with those of us who are older and experienced have been seeking answers to what the hell we went through that was fluffed off. So maybe it's the older generation that's starting to open up because the millennials are already there. Well, yeah, I think the, um, yeah, yeah, the older generation, more experienced, so they, they, they do already see what's, what's bunk and uh, they're, they're tired of that. The younger generation, the younger crowd, I mean, they, <laughs> they're already there, they're already open, and I think it's a matter of time for them to kind of wade through all that. I mean, they're, they're you know, going for more of the shock, the thrills, you know, kind of what younger people generally do. So, you know, I think as they get a little bit older, experience a little wiser for the wear, um, they'll start to see through that. At least you kind of hope so. But, uh, yeah, I, I would agree with her assessment that the older generation is more experienced. Vanessa, do you think yeah, that... I'm sorry, go ahead. And we feel like a lot of the older ones, you know, they're starting to feel like, you know, okay, we were lied to. And, you know, it's it's a much bigger realization where a lot of the younger kids, this, they're looking at us like, why wouldn't you believe in this stuff? Could be. We only got about 20... Uh, less than 20 minutes left on the show tonight and so i want to try and hit another topic here one that has been kind of jumping around and this kind of ties to the whole paranormal from everything from channeling spirits down to down to you know what exactly we are trying to do or what are we trying to prove vanessa as someone who is a psychic medium and who has channeled there's a lot of people out there who would love to give it a try, try and figure out what they can do to get themselves closer to finding an answer that they need to satisfy. When someone comes up to you and says, you know, or someone on your show calls up and says, hey, I, I want to I channel. I want to be doing this. What do you tell them? Absolutely not. Um, let me explain something for those what you ask for (laughs) yeah Um, here's the thing if if there's a difference between knowing things and doing a reading and channeling there is a huge difference an ocean in size of difference Um, you can do a reading You can do a paranormal investigation. You can do a walkthrough of a location and receive information and relay information without channeling. When you channel, you are no longer in your body. Something else is, at least for me. Um, I don't actually like the fact that I can do that. It's not something I try to do. Uh, it generally happens to me without my consent. So when people tell me that they want to do that, I, 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 I try to deter them in any way possible because if it isn't something that comes naturally to you, the only way that I have seen people be able to do it is to put themselves in extremely dangerous situations. 
and I don't encourage that. So to do this, you don't have to channel. (laughs) Christina? Well, I I just don't understand why people always want to do something that somebody else can do. They're never happy with what's going on with them. Like I get people all the time and they say, oh my gosh, you can see spirits? I so wish I could do that. And I'm like, really? And they're like, oh, I would give anything. And I'm like, really? Like, you do realize, like, once you have that, like, you, it doesn't flip on and off. Like, I'm like, can you imagine? Like, you're in bed at night. You're having sexual relations with your spouse or your significant other. And you look over their shoulder and you've got a whole gallery full of spirits sitting there looking around like you're filming a porno. I mean, or you're going and taking a shower, going to the bathroom, and you've got, you know, a bunch of people watching you. Um, Sometimes they don't look so great when you see them, depending on how close to when they passed away, at least for me it's that way. Um, There's all kinds of things, so it's not always pleasant, and they always don't look so great. Uh, Sometimes they scare the hell out of you because they pop out of nowhere. I mean, it's not always so great to be able to see all this stuff. And but people always want what they don't have, and it's just kind of weird to me, you know. Like before, nobody wanted to be. It was like such a taboo to be a psychic medium, and now everybody wants to do it. Every it's like the new hobby, the new. But that and being a demonologist, I've never seen two fields that have just all of a sudden created themselves and just kind of blew up all on their own. It's crazy. Exactly, exactly. And the one thing, Dave, that, that I always tell people, well, at least now, since it's, since this particular thing has happened to me, um, the last time something decided to do that to me, I, I wound up on the floor of the 360 cabin in Virginia screaming like an idiot. And I have no recollection of this, nothing, no memory of it at all. But I got to open up my eyes and see about six or seven people standing over me wondering what in the world just happened. That isn't, that is the most embarrassing thing you can think of next to being, you know, buck naked when it happens. You know, so it, it isn't something that I think that people should, should even want to be able to do because it isn't necessary. Right. It's, it's extremely inconvenient. But to to play devil's advocate for a minute, maybe they want to learn because they're tired of getting these horrific readings from intuitive people that they're not trusting. But see, that's just it. Like when I channel, when something's coming through me, I I don't remember it. So it's we don't read for ourselves. Yeah, it's no benefit to me. It's just of a benefit to whomever I'm with. They're the one that gets all the information. I don't get anything. Right. <laughs> Having this, that, that's one of the sad parts about being a psychic medium. You can read for other people. You can give great information, um, great advice, but it doesn't apply to your life. Like You have to go out and look for somebody who's good that you trust just as well as somebody has to come out and look for somebody that they can trust. It's hard. It's hard, especially now, because back, you know, before, before I became out public, I mean, it was a very scary thing. And believe me, I went from hiding this my whole life to having a near-death experience where I told, was told I specifically had to come back and I had to now let everybody know about my abilities. I had to use them to educate people and to help those in need. And I've been doing that ever since. So, you know, but 
again, this explosion of everybody, it was like a light bulb came on. And I think it was like after one of the, the shows came on and they used a psychic medium for the case and everything. And then it's just like, everybody wanted to be a freaking have a psychic on their team. I mean, when I first started my research society and we had a bunch of people as sensitive psychics, like we were made so much fun of out here. Like, are you kidding me? Really? Like who trusts a group of psychics? Uh, but again, times have definitely changed. So people, again, all I can say is they have to do their research, whether it's looking for a paranormal team, whether it's looking for a good radio show, whether it's looking for real information instead of just what everybody's putting out there that could or could not be true. It's all about doing some research. Stop being so damn lazy. Get out there, research, and find out the information you need. It's out there. Exactly. And uh, if they really want to have these abilities, try having a successful personal relationship while you have them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. All kinds of good things that come along with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That don't work real well. Guys don't like women who know shit they shouldn't know. So, uh -huh. so especially about them. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> Mike, Mike, I think Mike, I think you said something really important right off the bat. You you j piped in before the ladies took over with be careful what you wish for. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um I mean just from, you know, hearing from Vanessa as well as well as other people, um you know, that have those abilities, it's, it's not something that's, um, it, it's not something that like they were saying, it's not something that's convenient. Um, it, it's something that uh, can play a real detriment. In fact, the whole, what Christina was saying about, you know, you know, having sex with your partner, we were actually talking about that this past weekend, uh, you know, that, um, you know, have you ever had an instance where, you know, you were with your partner and you, you know, you saw something and, it, you know, and all of a sudden it just shut down everything that was going on. I mean, that does happen. Um, and, and for people that, um, that want those abilities, they don't understand what it is that they're asking for. I mean, you know, I, I've mentioned a little bit earlier that you know, people say that I'm a little bit, you know, more sensitive than I give myself credit for. And that little bit of a glimpse, uh, that I've had is like, I don't know if I want to see much, much more, uh, than what I've had. Cause there's probably enough there that that's, that's probably just enough. Um, you know, you, you hear from people that, you know, see people's, you know, death faces and things like that. That's not very enjoyable to see. I, I don't think, I, I think people are, uh, you know, they think of these abilities as like a superpower, um, and that it's cool right. to have, but it's, it's really not. It's such a misconception. Yeah. And we didn't ask for this stuff. Again, it's not like, you know, we just said, hey, this would be something fun to do. No. Those of us who have usually been doing this for a very, very long time, and, again, it's it's a new age and era right now for us, so it's kind of kind of different what's going on. Everett, you want to chime in? You know, I don't know if I can because I don't have any – of those kinds of abilities. I, I I've had little glimpses of maybe I could be in touch with them, but I am not. And I, I, I don't think I can answer the question because I just don't have any of these abilities. Well, your, your hair does though. I mean, you've got that man, manly hair. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, it's it's not as tight as Mike's. Mike Mike gets a clipping like every two days to keep that sucker yeah. fresh and new. You can tell. You can tell. Shanna's in there with her clippers, going, "Okay, Mike, we got one out of place here. We got to get this done." <laughs> Gel and water. That's it. That's awesome. <laughs> nice brush. Absolutely. But you know what? In everything, and and we only got about five and a half, six minutes left here. In everything that we have talked about tonight, panel, the one thing that I have noticed a lot of on the paranormal aspect of the field is how there's a lot of brilliant people, no matter what their concept is or what their field of study is, there's a lot of brilliant people in this field. Educated people as well. And when you look at it, I cannot believe how many people in this field are actually struggling financially. I don't know. I am trying to figure out what the correlation is between studying the paranormal, whether it's being psychic, whether it's ghost hunting, whether it's being an author, radio host, UFO investigator, or whatever. And yet everybody seems so bloody broke in this field. Now, Mike, I if I believe you do this full time now, am I correct? No, I, I hold a full time job. Oh, you do. I would love to be. I would, I would love for my writing career to be where it's at. And that's that's been the dream since I was in second grade for me to be a full time author. But that hasn't happened yet. So yes, I hold a, a full time IT position. So. Why do you think it is, and I and Mike, the reason why I like chatting with you is I think you're one of the, the more brilliant up-and-comers in this field, but why do you think it is that so many people are struggling in this community financially? Well, I think one of the things that um, it is a misconception for you know, people you know, getting into this field is that um, a, a lot of people, I think when they're starting off, view it as the paranormal is a industry, so to speak, uh, in which they can make money. And there's, there's no money in the paranormal. (laughs) Um, you might be able to, you know, like I sell books. Okay. But the books aren't the paranormal. And I think people try to, you know, sell themselves off as some sort of, you know, paranormal expert and that's how they're going to make money. And that just, it doesn't work. Um, there's, there's not money in the paranormal. It's not something to make money with, um, you know. Like Vanessa will tell you, she doesn't charge for she doesn't charge for readings. There are people that there are people that try to do that, um, but you know the people that are that are honest and true don't. There's yes, not money in the paranormal. I mean, I, I'm not going to down other people charging, but just to give y'all an idea, Dave, you're talking about money. Um, after my first uh, um, show that that I was asked to do. Um, on or my second show on YouTube uh, with a different uh, station, I had uh, in one night 700 requests for readings. Now, 700 in one night, okay? First off, if I was going to do that, it would take me almost a year to do 700 readings, okay? It'd probably take me six to nine months. Um, if I charged half of what people normally charge for an hour reading, that would have been $45,500 for 700 readings if I charge $65 per reading, which is about half of what a lot of people on the Internet charge. And I didn't charge a dime for the ones I did. 
because that's not why I was given this gift, curse, whatever you want to call it. So could could I be making money? Yep. But I won't do it that way. I'll make it for my books. Well, I'll, I'll chime in real quick just before we get off because for the last 20 years, well, actually even longer than that because even when I was younger, I was given readings, but I never charged. I never charged for a reading for anything that I ever did. Even when 15 years ago when I got in the public, everything I did was for free. And like you, I was so inundated by free reading. And not only free reading, like people hear free and they just like flock. And not only do they flock, and I had a lot of people who had, you know, been in the field for a long time and, you know, were charging. And I always said, I'll never charge. I'll never charge. This wasn't the reason I was given this gift, blah, 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 blah. And I was a big advocate until I was doing sometimes 30, 40 readings, mini readings in a day. I was getting sick. Uh, people, when they didn't get their answers quick enough or it, you could get validate, they could validate everything but one thing, they could go from, you know, them loving you to hating you in 2.5 seconds. It was so crazy that I said, okay, enough of the madness, okay? I'm now going to start charging. And I did it specifically, and I didn't say how much I was going to charge. I just said, I'm now charging, so no more free readings. Stop asking me for them. Because I had people calling me from all over the world, all hours and days of the night. When you tell, once people get your phone number, oh, my gosh, you now become their personal private psychic. I had people calling me, asking me where uh, where their car keys were. People asking me if I knew what their lottery numbers were so they could get the it's a misbelief. I lose my keys all the time, and if I knew the lottery numbers, I would have been the first one to use them. But I just, as soon as I started charging, it was funny how many people just disappeared. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like, people aren't, and people kept saying, you know, it's something that is an exchange, and it makes it worth more to something, the information they're getting, because some people were, again, contacting me every single day. Like, they wouldn't make a move without wanting to contact me to ask me something. And it was crazy. I I got stalkers. It was crazy. And I started charging. And what people didn't know is when once they would contact me, I would find out about their situation anyway. And so most of them I was still doing for free. But for other people, I would say, you know, it's just on a donation basis. So whatever you feel your reading was worth, you can give it to me. A dollar, it doesn't make any difference as long as there's something that is exchanged. Yeah. And I, I received that's the way I've been doing it ever since. I received death threats, no joke, on Facebook for not responding quick enough. Oh, I have too, yes. It's, uh, people don't understand, again, I mean, when I started charging, all that went away because then when you pay me, you got to pay me through PayPal or on your credit card. I got all your information. You don't want to be acting crazy and stalking me then because the police will be at your door. But it's a little bit different when you're you're just out there. And again, for many people with abilities, they just want to help anybody and everybody. But that, again, is a very huge thing to have to carry on your shoulders when you realize how many people come to you all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. I've just learned how to say no. <laughs> you have to. to you have no. to. It took a lot, though. You can ask Mark. Oh, yeah. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Vanessa Hogle, Christina George, Everett Themer, and Mike Ricksacker. 
It's time for me to wrap this thing up. This episode of The Reporters is done. Fini. El completo. <laughs> I, I don't know if my Spanish is any good, but that's the best you're going to get out of this Canadian. <laughs> that was for you, Dave Cruz. El completo. There we go. I'm going to get you to hold on here for a second. If you're listening in on spaceoutradio.com or our terrestrial radio station side, you hear Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal playing in the background, formerly of Guns N' Roses, currently of Art of Anarchy. Bumblefoot is the official music of Space Out Radio. Tomorrow night on the program, we have Rich Giordano coming on the show. We're going to talk everything UFO and alien tomorrow night. We're going to get into the secrecy. We're going to get into the skepticism. Bring your tinfoil hat and wear it proudly. 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time at spacedoutradio.com. Don't forget to check out our website and all the cool features we have. A plethora of features, some may say. And, of course, we want to thank our terrestrial radio stations, WQEE 99, Rock the Key, down in Noonan, Georgia, the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world, and KTLK, we're brand new with you tonight, the Fringe FM. Joe, Davey, you did a great job bringing in some people tonight. We're going to rock those ratings higher, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you all for tuning on in tonight. Do me a favor. Tell a friend about this show. Because as our brand new slogan says, we own the night. Come own it with us. It's actually kind of fun to say. Have a good one, everyone. Talk to you in 21 hours. Good night. Mr. Bumblefoot, take us home.